the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The biggest pop culture movement since the Beatles, $22.5 billion at the box office, and we found the one guy who doesn't have a clue what we're talking about. With two fellow MCU nerds to help guide his hand along the way, one thing is for certain, we're with him until the end of the line. Welcome to Colin Brain versus the MCU. On your left, hello and welcome once again to your favourite podcast designed for your ear holes. Yes, this week we come crashing back down to earth, New York to be exact, oh. as, <laughs> as we yeah. watch two, 2017's oh. Spider-Man Homecoming. But... Before we begin, please allow me to introduce my fellow friendly neighborhood podcasters. Firstly, he's my very own man in the chair, not because of his IT skills, but because every time I speak to him, he's either hurt his ankle or his back, and the doctors heavily recommend him to sit down as much as humanly possible before he twists or pops something else. He's only 34. It's Robert Trot. <laughs> Rob, say hello. Wow. Jesus. He's coming in strong. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> got fire in my belly today. Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> Is this because of what I said and, about the trivia? Oh, we'll get onto that. Yeah. <laughs> and last but not least, if he's nothing without the beard, then he's nothing with the beard. It's a good job okay. we'll never have to find out because I don't think that bad boy is ever getting chopped off. It's Colin Brain. Colin, say hello. I think I'm a bit stuck now, aren't I? Even if I want to get rid of it, it's like, you know, we'd have to change the artwork for the pod and everything. I mean, oh, God, yeah. Course. It's yeah. only useful if you do a crime and you need to go incognito. That's true. If I go, if I go on the run, I'm pretty secure because I don't think anyone's seen my chin for like <laughs> probably about six, seven, eight years now. Maybe. Jeez. <laughs> wow. So good, good to know people recognise you by your chin. Uh, I don't how, actually think uh, I have a chin. That's why yeah. I keep, I'm keeping the beard. I look back at old pictures and I'm like, yeah, I'm a bit, I'm a bit chinless, aren't I? So yeah, hide it. Right. Yeah. How are we both? I'm sad, George. Oh, why are you sad, Rob? Well, today I put the go. Blu-ray into the into player. No, let's go to the settings. Oh, maybe it's a bonus. No. It's not, is it? No. So my trumpet is not coming out today. Oh <gasps> man, I was literally going to message you earlier and say. I'm feeling extra horny today, and I can't wait to hear the trumpets. <laughs> and now I'm like, really, I'm actually quite sad. I'm sad. Wow. Yeah. Oh shit, man. We've got. Is is it just because they're non-existent, or just on that just, specific copy that you got? It's not on there. What? Mm. Oh, could you imagine? Imagine if it's on the Americans' version. That's that's sometimes thinking, that yeah. happens, or like some yeah, some other country's version. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Oh, that's a mm. shame. No worries. We'll have to have words with Marvel. So we are, again, we've mentioned it a few times on this podcast, recording this in obviously some sort of weird time loop. So as of recording, oh. a few days ago was the 2022 San Diego Comic-Con, where there was a lot of announcements. Some very exciting announcement, I must add, too. Colin, I can only imagine hmm. this week has been an absolute nightmare to avoid <laughs> spoilers. On that as well, yeah. we are always honest with hmm. our audience. You may have listened to a podcast the other day, if I'm correct, where uh, maybe yeah, yeah, you yeah. think someone gave something away. Yeah, I was a little slow on the um, the grabbing my phone out of my pocket because I had Bluetooth headphones in and I was on the tube at the time. So it was like one of those moments where... 
it really caught me off guard and I didn't quite get there in time to kind of cancel, <laughs> you know, just to stop the pod and pause it. Yeah, so I got another one, but it was a very, I mean, you know, it, it kind of didn't confirm anything, but it's definitely put some, it, it's, it's, it's opened some theories in my brain and there's a mm. couple of things that were on it and I was a bit like, ah, oh, shit, okay, I should have really not heard this because I don't okay, even want to be, I don't even want to say it to you guys because I don't want you to like, React. I don't want your reactions to imply that I might be right or wrong. I mean, I'm covering my face with the microphone. Let the people at home know. What did you hear? Okay, it was... Um, oh, it's, it's always stand-up comedy, isn't it? Whenever I talk about spoilers. The one place you wouldn't expect these guys to be talking about Marvel films. But hmm. um, stand-up called Burt Kreischer. Uh, he's got, he does a podcast with Tom Segura called Two Bears, One Cave. But this was actually his solo podcast called Burtcast. And he just interviews right. other sort of comics and people from, you know, in his group. And he had this guy on called Fahim Anwar, who's also a fantastic stand-up, by the way. He's just released a special on YouTube called Hattrick, and it's really good. Um, but anyway, they would, yeah, you know what it's like on a podcast, you just just sort of chatting shit, and they got on the uh, subject of crying at films. Hmm. And, uh, you know, they were joking back and forth a bit, and, and then Fahim was like, you know it's bad when you're crying at a Marvel film, you know, just sort of poking a little bit of fun at it. And then mm-hmm. Bert just straight away goes like, <laughs> like in his high-pitched squealy little uncontrollable voice that he does a lot of the time i can't even remember what it was and i don't even want to put too much thought into it but it was something along the lines of that bit when spider-man is talking to tony and saying why is this happening to me and he's sort of dissolving or something along those lines Mm. so i really had to like I mean, it's like I heard it and I'm trying my hardest to just like knock it out the back of my ass and never think of it again. But yeah, I mean, that's, that can't be good if old Spidey's saying what's happening to me and, and there's some sort of dissolving going on. Well, um, if that's what you heard, it yeah, doesn't sound good. It definitely doesn't. Um, the tubes again, can be very noisy. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. You are right. You might have and heard also, something. Like, but as soon as I heard when Spider-Man says this, I'm frantically trying to get my phone out of my pocket at that point. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I just didn't whip the headphones out. I guess that's, I didn't well, want to look. That's my thought. I yeah. know, but dude, I'm on the tube. I don't want to look that's like a so fucking yeah. maniac. <laughs> I mean, it, it wasn't my, uh, yeah, it wasn't probably one of my smartest moments. But um, also, I wasn't, I wasn't really expecting these two to be talking about crying at specific points of Marvel films either. So yep. that happened. And then, yeah, man, this crazy... What was it? Was it a Comic-Con that happened this week? Comic-Con, yeah. The Comic-Con, yeah, San okay. Diego. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's through doing this and maybe certain things that are linking me to, to Marvel with sort of my phone's algorithm and stuff, but I'm definitely starting to see the the injection of, of the MCU in my sort of scrolling feeds and stuff now. So I'm mm. having to be really, really like careful with what i'm doing i mean i scrolled yeah. through so much shit on sunday i just turned my phone off and put it on the side because i'm like yeah this is too <laughs> risky you think you stumbled across some sort of poster the other day as well you said on um that was a spider-man thing i think it was prime was it prime the prime have any of these spider-man um, films you can you can always rent or okay, buy that might be yeah. it and it, it was uh again it was like a shit that looks like spider-man quickly scroll away but i think i saw doctor strange on the poster with him which again opened up a world of theories in my head but i don't want to say any of them yeah i just don't want (laughs) (laughs) i was pretty certain it was but maybe not maybe not maybe i'm wrong interesting well i think at least we need to start a gofundme account to 
build you a bomb shelter. Just keep you in there, I think, until you've caught up. Because oh. honestly, the, the anxiety that it's causing myself and Rob is going to put one of us in an early grave one day soon. The amount of shit I have to fucking quit out of. I get like 10 minutes into a podcast that I want to listen to and someone brings up Marvel and I'm like, well, I can't listen to it now, can I? Because they might do a throwback comment later on, you know, like even if I skip a few minutes ahead, there's, you know, mm-hmm. podcasts are like, they kind of go off in their own flows and stuff. And this yeah. is like, but I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best for you guys and for the listeners. And I'm trying my hardest to stay away from any spoilers. And anything that I do here, I'm putting in like a real effort to just kind of not think on it and just kind of go, mm-hmm. cool, okay, that's it. Cool, fuck off. Get out of my yeah. head. Move on. So, yeah. And I will continue to do that. You deserve a medal, sir. Trust me. (laughs) Um, uh, Before we move on, Mm. Rob, shall we let the people know Mm. what your Zoom name is this week? Because every time I forget, the people of the internet are very quick to let me know I've forgotten you crazy, crazy people. Keep reminding him as well. It's his favourite part (laughs) of the day. So, this week, in the spirit, I always like to try and sort of take a name from the film and think, well, what if it was me? So instead of the vulture, I am now the pigeon. Brilliant. Very good. George didn't get it. Had to explain it. No, you know it's a good one when immediately you pop up and I have to ask you to explain it to me. I don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) I think pigeons are really overhated as well. I don't see a problem with them. I I love pigeons. pigeons. Yeah. Bloody hilarious. They're delicious. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Okay. Before we, well, I've got loads to talk talk about first, boys. I've just got this image and of George we, in some gastro oh, pub, go. biting the head off some <laughs> some pigeon, like a Tudor born style. Ah. <laughs> yeah. You know that bit in Lord of the Rings <laughs> when Denethor's eating all that stuff. It's like close ups of him eating the. Dum, 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 dum. Of Imagine course, like I don't that. remember that bit. You're just saying this to Colin <laughs> Brain. Yeah. <laughs> Of course I don't remember that bit. <laughs> it's pop culture. He's not going to remember. You remember Dude, so you have the, no, no, you've got to stop this, man. Me not keeping up with MCU films is not me not keeping up with pop culture. Yes, you are You are very cultural. Yes, okay. I, so I you shall need say. To, you need to wash your mouth out with that bullshit. <laughs> I will. I apologise. Colin, another quick question for you. Mm. Something I was wondering about early on in the week. Do you ever think about these films outside of the podcast like do you ever find yourself waking up one morning after like we said before singing to the birds outside your window like a Mm. lumberjack snow white Mm. making yourself your your morning coffee Mm -hmm. and wonder to yourself i wonder what captain america's doing now he's on the run or uh, when's when are we next gonna see hulk like or is it just like you know day of the podcast best start thinking about these bloody films again um It really varies on depending on what the last film was that I watched, I think. Mm. So if I've like seen one and I was really into it, like after watching Civil War with you guys, I was like, I was thinking about that quite a bit the next few days. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Okay. Let's have a little think about what directions of certain things. Nice. This, that and the other. But then what what would we have had after Civil War? Was it Doctor Doctor Strange? Strange? Yeah, I mean, that totally just blew the wind out of the sails, to be fair. Like (laughs) after that. No, I mean, the film was cool, but like it, it, it does... It definitely does vary from film to film. And mm-hmm. got to be honest, yeah, a lot of it is very much a wake up this morning, think, okay, we're going to do, we're doing Spider Man Homecoming. Um, 
I've got to try and remember when I last saw Spider-Man. So I kind of rack my brain a bit to, to pull mm. out what I remember. And then watch the film in the morning. And then I kind of, I do spend quite a while throughout the day thinking about it. So then, you know, I can come on with some more formed opinions to the podcast. Mm-hmm. But yeah, most of the time. And then afterwards, I probably won't be able to sleep tonight because I think that I've said something stupid on the podcast <laughs> and then um, and everyone's going to hate me for it. So then I'll, then I'll wake up tomorrow and, and probably move on, to be honest. Brilliant. That's what I like to hear. You've only said that my trumpet makes you horny. Yes. Yeah, well, no, but I'm, to be fair, the the most the most fun part of this is this exact moment. I look forward to mm. these moments, um, doing the doing the actual recording and listening to you guys talk about the film. Because when I hear you guys talk about the film, I then have almost watched it in a much much different way. Mm-hmm. So it's quite nice to hear that side. Um, mm. Yeah, well, you you mentioned that sometimes you think about stuff you may have said on the podcast and not been able to sleep. Well, I'm not saying it's connected to that at all, but I caught up with my lovely mother the other day in person, oh, and she said, um, "I did gifts. giggle the other day at um, Colin talking about his dick gifts, oh, and no. I think he mentioned me in the same sentence as well and stuff like this." You know, because Mandy's going to be listening, oh. so um, yeah, she very much appreciated your dick gifts, Colin. Well, I mean, good, I guess. <laughs> Now, I'm Got sure everyone at home thinks Colin is a lovely person. I'm sure you all love him just as much as us. But um, I'm going to expose you, Colin Brain, on the internet. Because Colin sent a very nasty text to me earlier nah. on. And Come I on. No, feel no, like no, it no. needs no. to be spoken about on the podcast. Because on, much like what Colin just mentioned, it's the morning of the podcast. I wake up, got an extra spring in my step. I'm very excited to record <laughs> no, and talk to you boys. Already, and ca- Don't let lying. me already let lying. me finish, Colin Brain. It's no spring and in I, any of these steps. <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't been for a few years. No, no. Um, and I think, oh, I'm going to catch up with the boys tonight. It's going to be good. We're going to have a laugh. Um, oh, I can't wait to really know what Colin thought of um, the Spider-Man Homecoming. Shit. And then, ding. Oh. WhatsApp message from Colin. Oh, what does Colin want? FYI, any potential <laughs> games or quizzes tonight will instantly be shot down. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, oh. oh, he's 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 game for tonight. Oh. What's your response to that, Colin? Because it well, hurt my feelings. Well, firstly, my response is anyone who knows George knows that he can punch up a story quite well. <laughs> He can punt, he can make a story out of anything. Waking up this morning, what did you say with a spring in your step? Spring in my I step. I messaged you about two o'clock this afternoon for a start. So that's already <laughs> twenty show, to two shows you the validity <laughs> of that comment. And okay, I will admit, I was thinking to myself, you know what? We did the shit quiz, which was a laugh. Well, it turned into more of a laugh because I smacked some dumpy beat in front of it. Um, then you you threw some stuff on an, on another episode, which I don't think has been released yet. And I was just thinking to myself, look, the quizzes are cool. But I don't want it to turn into every time we come on here, we start the, the thing off with a quiz. I think, you know, <laughs> less is more with that kind of stuff. <laughs> and also, it's it's 20 past eight right now, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to be doing a fucking quiz. <laughs> it's as simple as that. I have no problem coming on here and having a laugh and a chat with you guys. <sighs> but I don't want it to feel like I have to do homework before this shit. I don't want to be coming on here like, oh, I better have my, my Marvel trivia up to scratch. Because <laughs> it ain't going to happen. It's as simple as that. I'm going to be losing constantly, and then it's going to put me in a shit mood for the rest of the podcast. Brilliant. Which might be your intention for half of it. That's what I think. Yeah. <clears throat> and also, hold on. 
<laughs> what what message did I send you straight away after that? I've just realised how aggressive that must have looked. Sorry. And the next one? <laughs> I'm not very good at getting across my emotions via text. See? So I was honest. I was honest. I looked back at it and I thought, yeah, that, that might have come on a bit strong, actually. <laughs> a bit strong? Not strong enough, mm. I think. FYI. Any potential games or quizzes will instantly be shot down tonight. <laughs> Coming on a bit strong. Uh, speaking of WhatsApp, we actually, the three of us, have a little WhatsApp group chat for this podcast as well. And I mm. may have mentioned on it uh, a couple of days ago that there's been a, a slew of um, recent announcements. You asked me if I was mm. satisfied with what was announced, and yep. I said yes, very much so. And then you said, is that because I'm a diehard fan, or were they actually decent, were they actually decent announcements because you gave Iron Man 3 a 5 out of 5. Which is, so I think, is a fair statement. Yeah, well, you asked Rob if the announcements were any good, to which Rob replied, mate, pump it into my veins. Mm. You then said, mm. and I really hope you remember this next part, remind me of mm. this conversation when we record next. Yep. I've had a realisation about something. Uh, so, Colin, this is me reminding you. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, the realisation was is that I clearly hold Rob's opinion in much, much higher regard than yours when it comes down to any of this stuff. Yes. Um, And I get that (laughs) realisation. I'm sorry. Look, I mean all this with love. I'm just having fun. I know I come across aggressive, but I don't mean any of it. I'm just having fun. Um, But so, and I say that just because, I mean, I've already mentioned this in the past, how like, I feel like you are just like a real sucker for promotional material. Like you, you, out of all the people I know, you are the one that tends to jump on a hype train the <laughs> hardest and the quickest, no matter what it is. Right. So I, I kind of like have to take everything you say like that a little bit, like <laughs> because the amount of things you've you've like recommended in the past, and I've just been like, it's just not for me. And that's right. just a chain, t- uh, different taste. That's all good. But it was kind of like especially with marvel it feels like you are so drunk on the marvel kool-aid that <laughs> that like they could throw anything at you and you're just going to be like give it to me kevin like, feige's just, like you in the next phase a poo <laughs> george is like yep they, <laughs> like, they can do no wrong <laughs> but for, for some reason I, I think it's probably down to these episodes as well is it like i don't know if it's that you don't want to insult people or you don't want to like get on people's nerves but i find that you are probably the maybe the softest in criticism when it comes down to these films and i feel like Mm. rob as much as he's a massive fan of this franchise i feel like he is probably more inclined to be like that didn't work for me or i wasn't particularly chuffed with that so when so that was why i wanted rob's second opinion on it and then as soon as he was like oh no i'm up for it then i was like okay well if if both of you are on board then (laughs) that means something you know what i mean Hmm. have i insulted yes, you there definitely what definitely what definitely wasn't the realization i was expected, what did you think but it's, it's made, it made me laugh yeah no, i had no hmm. idea but um thank you for being very honest again <laughs> oh, he was hoping it'd be like i realized that you are my best friend yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i love you <laughs> i care more about what rob says hmm. than you Look, man, i'm just being honest with you oh oh dear start as we mean you to wouldn't go want on. me any so, other way I know. It's brilliant. I love it. Uh, shall we jump back into the swing of things? Oi, oi. And could you boys please be so <laughs> kind as to give me the floor so I can introduce Spider-Man Homecoming to both yourself, Colin, and to our wonderful listeners. Let's go. So far, so good. Skip the compliments. Let's get on with it. 
So I actually think for once, I'll be able to keep this section of the podcast relatively short. We'll see. Because we all know how Tom Holland came to be into the MCU. Uh, For those at home, if you haven't listened to our episode on Civil War, I heavily recommend it. Uh, But as a recap, ever since the Marvel Cinematic Universe started with, obviously, Iron Man, Marvel had been trying to get Spider-Man back home. They'd sent various emails and forms of communication to Sony, asking if they could work out a deal uh, where Sony would still get to keep the rights of Spider-Man, but Marvel could just make a Spider-Man movie and, you know, use the character for any potential team-up movies. Sony wouldn't lift a finger, uh, and Marvel would still share the box office with them. Sony declined, uh, but it wasn't until North Korea hacked and released all of sony's emails including the ones about spider-man and also the ones with them turning down this incredible deal where they kind of found themselves backed into a corner and were pretty much forced to say yes so this film is technically a sony movie Uh, that's why in most countries you can find it on netflix as sony tends to put a lot of their titles on there and as of recording i think we've already mentioned it's the end of july 2022 now It's only just appeared on Disney Plus here in the UK. So here we have this Marvel character owned by Sony popping into the MCU. It's all very weird. Uh, But at the end of the day, uh, both Disney, Sony, and more importantly, the fans win. So when Tom Holland was cast and found himself on the set of Civil War literally days later, Marvel this whole time had also been looking for a director to take on a solo Spider-Man movie. So some directors they spoke to were, again, I think we mentioned him in our Ant-Man episode, uh, Jonathan Levine. He directed 50-50 with Seth Rogen and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Jason Moore, who was the director of Pitch Perfect. Jared Hess, mostly known mostly for directing Napoleon Dynamite. Dynamite, (laughs) And they also spoke to John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, who both directed the incredible Game Night. Now, I thought it's important to mention some of these films that these directors have done because I think it's pretty clear the the tone and the style that maybe Kevin Feige and Marvel wanted for this film. They were obviously looking for a fairly young director or a director with uh, young sensibilities, maybe with a hand in comedy. So they had various meetings with all of these directors and Marvel had actually not decided on what direction this new film was going to take or even what the new villain was going to be. Marvel said to everyone they met, you pitch us this movie from the ground up. Now, whilst all of these meetings were taking place, um, the Sundance Film Festival happened and someone at Marvel saw a small, tiny budget film called Cop Car. Now, I've seen it. Rob, have you seen Cop Car? Car. I think it's a delightful film. Um, For anyone that hasn't seen it, it's a film about two young boys who steal a cop car. Uh, They do it as a joke. Uh, They don't intend to steal it for long or cause any real trouble. But the cop whose car it is, played by Kevin Bacon, is a crooked cop. And so things become a little bit more complicated for them as the film goes on. Now, this film was directed by a new director, a guy called John Watts. This was his debut, uh, feature film debut anyway. He'd done some TV work and some music videos as well. And he was called into Marvel. Imagine releasing your first ever film and then Marvel come calling. So Kevin Feige had this to say about Mr. John Watts. We met with a lot of people 
and came down to a couple of very, very, very good final candidates. But we just really liked John's movie Cop Car. And so we met with him four, five, then six times. And each time he had more and more interesting things to say. And at Marvel, it always comes down to ultimately, can we make a movie with this person for two years? We realize we could spend almost every day with this person for two years. So let's go. And so John Watts was offered the director's chair for Spider-Man. He obviously took the chance. Uh, It's safe to say he'd never been anywhere near something with a budget, essentially. Uh, So Kevin Feige had it organized for Watts to be on the set for Civil War and essentially shadow the Russo brothers to learn how to make a Marvel movie. But he was also there to be consulted upon himself as he got to make some creative decisions around Peter Parker on Civil War 2. Now, all of these horrible stories I had to say in our opening episodes of the podcast, where mentions of disagreements, people quitting, uh, people being fired, I think it's safe to say those mo- those days are long gone. Uh, this now feels like a very collaborative environment. I think it shows in the recent films we've been watching. Uh, so the directors of Game Night, who I just mentioned, Daly and Goldstein, they were actually hired to write the screenplay for Homecoming. Uh, the only thing they were asked of by Kevin Feige was not to rehash the origin story. We've seen it all before, and the last thing we need people feeling is Spider-Man fatigue, especially on Tom Holland's first solo film. But he also asked them to tell a coming-of-age tale set in the li- life-or-death stakes of high school. And yes, of course, as you now know, Colin, they managed to convince Mr. Robert Downey Jr. to be in the film too. He got paid his usual silly amount of money, and it feels like he's quite a large part of the film, right? Well, he's got a fair amount of scenes in the film, but somehow, and I don't know how they did it, they managed to film all of Robert Downey Jr.'s scenes in three days and then call a picture wrap on him. That's right, he made his way to set, and three days later, he was done. That's incredible. Now, there also wasn't much competition in regards to casting the villain of the film, Adrian Toomes, otherwise known as The Vulture. Now, Marvel and John Watts liked the idea of Michael Keaton in the role. It was offered to him, and he kind of immediately accepted. Boom. And once the rest of the cast was filled out, they were all given three DVDs each. They were given The Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and Pretty in Pink, and were told to watch all three as part of their homework. Again, showing that that tone was really important for Marvel and John Watts, and they were really determined to make sure everyone was on the same page as to what this movie was going to be. Now, a little bit of trivia before the trivia for you. In an early draft of the script, some scenes were set at the Daily Bugle. Uh, J. Jonah Jameson was in the film too. J.K. Simmons, who played the same character in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, was was actually set to play him. Uh, Because like we said, you can't recast that character. He's so iconic. But unfortunately, the character and the Bugle itself was cut in later scripts. Uh, But J.K. Simmons couldn't have been disappointed for too long as he was then cast as Commissioner Gordon in DC's Justice League. Disappointed all over again. (laughs) (laughs) And so after another 
drama-free shoot. Spider-Man Homecoming was released on July 7th, 2017 and made $117 million in its opening weekend. Now, at the end of its run, it had made $880 million worldwide, which was a lot more than the first two amazing Spider-Man movies with Andrew Garfield. And critics and the fans all kind of immediately fell back in love with Spider-Man, praising that the all-important tone of the film was there. They praised uh, the casting and especially Tom Holland. But, of course, that is what the public thought. Because right now we have someone with us that has just seen this movie for the first time. So it's time to ask the question that gives me butterflies every time I ask it. Colin, what did you think? I had, I had some fun with this one. I enjoyed it. But it definitely had some... I also had some issues, which I'm sure well, we would definitely get into. Interesting. We will definitely, definitely get into it. Yeah, okay. We need to get into this. Mm, interesting. <laughs> uh, Rob, as always, how was this rewatch for you? Well, I was sad because there wasn't the audio commentary. Yeah, that must have been a tough watch for you, mate. But then... Oh, Hold he's, on. he's fooled us. Use it in the pub or use it on a date. With your ruddy fam or with your cheeky mates, it's trivia time. Wow. wow. Okay, so there was some trivia yes. then. This, this uh, film had what was known as a trivia track in which Ooh, you watch oh, it. And that's right up your street, I know, isn't it? I know. That's why I'm slightly confident about the trivia yeah. today. George, you got to be worried, man. <laughs> um, yeah. So what we would do, the film would play out and it would come up with these little boxes, like comic book boxes, and have little facts that would come up that, that correspond with what you're seeing. So, for instance, okay. the opening of the film, they um, tell you about a van, right, that's in the salvage yard. And yeah. uh, it reads, Best Man Salvage. In the comics, Gregory Bestman and Adrian Toomes were in business together for Bestman betrayed him. And Toombs killed the little Judas. Mm. Trivia time. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to be full of them by the end of this. George, he, he's going to have found George, surely. Well, we'll mm. see. George O'Connor versus the trivia track. <laughs> so before we do the deep dive, I just want to say, I think what an absolute breath of fresh air this film feels like for the MCU. It still retains that MCU DNA. Uh, obviously helped by the appearance of Robert Downey Jr. Uh, but I think much like Ant-Man, this keeps the story on the ground. He's still, you know, the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. In the grand scheme of things, the stakes aren't that high. It's just some dudes in a warehouse selling some weapons. Uh, but this film makes it all feel quite heightened. You know, stopping these guys means everything to Peter. And since, you know, just by his determination alone, this might as well be Avengers level stakes. Uh, we'll get into him as well, obviously, but I think Tom Holland is just so good as both Peter Parker and Spider-Man. You're constantly reminded that Peter Parker is really just a kid. I love his friendship with Ned. I love all the stuff at the high school. Colin, like you said earlier on, I just I maybe love all these films a bit too much. <laughs> um, I love all the superhero stuff as well, but uh, this film also has an all-timer of a twist which i cannot wait to dig into as well so shall we do our deep dive because colin 
I think we've got a lot of questions to I've ask. I've actually got a lot of questions for you guys, so I'm hoping you can clear some stuff up for me as we go through. Interesting. I'm, ho- I'm sure we can. So, following the Battle of New York in 2012... Adrian Toombs and his salvage company are contracted to clean up the city, but their operation is taken over by the Department of Damage Control, the DODC. Use it in the Powerball, use it on a day. (laughs) With your auntie fam or with your cheeky mates, it's trivia time. Issue one of Damage Control had Spidey being trapped in a robot made of alien metal by the Tinkerer. Hmm. Oh, thank you. Oh, no. This is going to be a fun episode. Could be a long one. Could be a long one. You thought I had no jingles. Just you wait. (laughs) We did. Just you wait, boyo. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the DODC is a partnership between Tony Stark and the US government. Enraged at being driven out of business, Toombs persuades his employees to keep the Jatawi technology that they have already scavenged and used it to create and sell advanced weapons, including a flying vulture suit Toombs uses to steal Jatawi power cells. So we have another cold open to an MCU movie. I think this might be the longest one yet. It essentially gives us all of the Vultures or Adrian Toomes' origin story, I guess right from the get-go. It sets him up, and then it's quite a while until we see him and the crew again. But, you know, they're always in the back of our minds. Um, So, Colin, Mm. when you got the the, the villain reveal right in our cold open with Adrian flying down into his base of operations, were you pumped to see Peter Parker take on the Vulture, or were you hoping for maybe another Green Goblin or another take on Doc Ock again? No, I was pumped to see it, and I was really pumped to see Michael Keaton, because I think... He's up there for me with anything he's in. I think he's pretty phenomenal as an actor. And I yeah. thought he was great in those early scenes as well. I was I was definitely in. I was excited. And um, was mm. Michael Keaton one of the guys that you threw out back when you did the, do you think this will come in? Maybe he was or wasn't, but I feel like his name might have come oh. up at some point throughout this. I can't yeah. remember, but it, it would have been a good one. Because I did think to myself, sure. like, did I know that he was in one? Had you brought that? Like, it felt like the name had been mm. thrown out there. Maybe it just like a throughout the... Pod, you might have mentioned he likes being flying yeah. mammals doesn't he? yeah yeah exactly yeah he does <laughs> yes birdman batman and now the vulture yeah. mm. uh rob is it effective as a cold open you know could this have maybe been better if it was maybe broken down and placed differently into the structure of the film i like it it's um spider-man's always been like a street level superhero so it's nice yeah that they mm show the massive thing of the Avengers battle and then show how that affected street level people. And you empathize with him from the start. Cause he's like these, this crew's got family and mm-hmm. I bought loads of new stuff to be able to do this. This is a big thing for my business. Yeah. And almost without a second thought, he's just been, you know, tossed to the side. So you immediately see his reasoning, which is, is key mm. to a good villain. I think. I completely agree. So eight years later, Peter Parker is drafted into the Avengers by Tony Stark to help with an internal dispute in Berlin, but then resumes his studies at the Midtown School of Science and Technology when Stark tells him he's not ready to become a full Avenger. Collins surprised as well to see Mr. Robert Downey Jr. pop up. Um, Was he a worthy addition to the film or did he feel shoehorned in? I wasn't surprised just because of how 
we sort of got introduced to Tom Holland as Spider-Man. Mm. He very much seemed like he was... I mean, that was probably one of the main issues I had with this film, is that it kind of felt like they were turning Peter Parker into, like, Tony Stark's sort of sidekick a little bit. Interesting, yeah. I mean, we'll get into it more, but to answer your question, I wasn't surprised that Tony Stark was in it. Um, but I do think mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr. is just so ingrained now as Iron Man that, you know, he pops up on the screen and he has his dialogue and it's cool, you know, it's fine. It's, it's, yep. it is what it is. Like that, that does, I'm not saying that in a negative way. It's just like he, he, you know, mm-hmm. he just carries on doing it. Well, I'll get, I'll get into my feelings in a minute. Um, no, do you not like so him? Same qu- we'll get there. Oh shit. Same, George. same question to you, Rob. Does this film need Iron Man? See, I haven't actually said what I think of this film yet. No, I was just thinking that, actually. <laughs> you, you've weaseled your way out with the jingles. Yeah. <laughs> I think it does. I think it really works in in what you said about Tom Holland being a kid, that he idolises Tony, and he wants mm. to be Tony, and the lesson he's got to learn is being himself in terms of finding out, again, what he says about the suit. If you're nothing without that, mm-hmm. then you're you shouldn't be doing it. So he's got to find yeah. his own sort of what he brings as a as a hero. And I think having Iron Man as the counterpoint to that works really well. There's a few lines as well in it that I feel, which I'm sure we'll get to later, that sort of signify that. So for me, it works. Mm. I'm on the fence. Of course you are. I'm going to be honest. Um. I think any time spent with Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark is obviously time well spent. It's, you know, it's the role of a lifetime for him. Uh, What was clear after Civil War is that he knows his character down to his bones. He's got this character perfected. But I can't, I always feel like, and maybe shoehorned is too nasty a word, but I've always had it in my head that it does kind of feel like Disney were fully aware that the last three Spider-Man movies haven't really been hits and so the pressure is really on them to make this work at the box office so then of course what do you do you put the mcu's most popular superhero in the film now if stark wasn't in this film it would obviously be a completely different film you could still have happy hogan in it and maybe the heist of avengers tower etc but without stark I, I i then kind of feel maybe would be a bit weird i know i'm contradicting myself here and um, i guess but i can't help but be a little bit cynical with the iron man thing because it doesn't detract from the film and of course if we didn't have tony stark in the film we wouldn't have these little wonderful moments between themselves especially at like the beginning of the film you know where there's that moment where uh stark leans over to open the car door for peter but peter mistakes it as a hug mm-hmm. Because we know Stark is not a hugger. It's it's all lovely, lovely stuff. But I'm kind of on the I fence love about it. At the beginning, bit. when he's like doing the alibi video, he's like, "Hey, May, what yes. you wearing? Something skimpy, I hope." <laughs> it's just and Robert Downey Jr. loses it. I'm not entirely. It looks sure like what improv. Part of that is Tony's it? exactly. It's just yeah. really <laughs> cool. Like he he knows that character back and forward, and I love that. He has that little callback to when he's talking about Happy Hogan as well. And he's like, he used to be forehead of security. <laughs> and he's going for a little, promotion. Little Iron Man free joke there yeah. for you, Colin. Yeah, fantastic. Brilliant. <laughs> Went over your forehead. <laughs> Surprised he didn't have a fucking Peter. Santa hat on in the front of that thing. <laughs> Christmas. 
Parker quits his school's academic decathlon team to spend more time focusing on his crime-fighting activities as Spider-Man. But his best friend Ned eventually discovers his secret identity. Colin, let's briefly talk about Jacob Batalon as Ned. We'll get into Tom Holland mm. as Peter Parker shortly. Sure. Um, a bit different from shall we say James Franco's Harry Osborn. Very much um, so, yeah. How was, how was Ned for you in Spider-Man Homecoming? I loved Ned. I thought Ned was great. I, th- I love I think, Ned um, too. I think one of the things that, I mean, again, man, it's crazy because we watched the, we watched the Tobey Maguire one so like, you know, it was what, like a matter of weeks ago. So, mm-hmm. and we just did the podcast for him. So I tried to watch this and not have like too many comparisons. I tried to watch this as a like, okay, like that Peter Parker is 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 just not a thing anymore for me. Like I have mm-hmm. to look at this as a totally different, you know, wipe the slate clean. And I think yeah. they did a great job of that, as well as what you guys mentioned in the bonuses is, is about the age thing. You know how how um, Tobey Maguire was maybe too old for. And I'd, obviously, I totally agree with that point. And I know that you guys mentioned that the comics are much more in line, maybe with how Tom Holland's version of Peter Parker aligns mm-hmm. with with sort of. Uh, the storylines, and I think Ned was a really good way of of giving you the high school feel because as you get older in life, you don't really have that mate who's just always in your bedroom chilling. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like I mean, just that like best best friend that you're almost inseparable and you and you know each other really well and you have those back and yep, forth. I and... do. He's my wife. She oh. listens. This beard. <laughs> No, but you know what I mean. It's like that kind of brotherly mm-hmm. thing where you're just always hanging out, no, no. and I feel like that 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 helped you keep in mind that they were school kids because I they obviously look younger than the bunch in the older ones, but I still don't think they all look fifteen or fourteen. Uh, they were, I feel I like they were, were nineteen. Yeah, and to me, to me, they felt yeah. more like late teen, early twenties, and and I feel like that kind of jumped around a bit, like when they went to that party a bit later on. Like that didn't feel mm-hmm. like a 14, 15-year-old party to me. But then I've, yeah, I don't yeah. live in Queens and I don't know how 14 and 15-year-olds spend their partying mm-hmm. time. Um, so I think Ned was a really good addition to kind of make you feel like this is that kind of coming-of-age mm. adolescence yeah. film and, and it really pulled you into that genre, I guess. Mm-hmm. Nice. I'm glad you liked but another it. Another thing throughout the film that I, f- I found really helped with that was those little, those little high school-like news things that kept popping up in the school like i thought that was a really really smart way again to make you feel like you're in that high school vibe um so so they definitely nailed that portion of the film for me and the little green screen yeah green screen kept clipping (laughs) out exactly all patches of green yeah yeah yeah, 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 no i think ned was cool man i liked him good i'm very happy same to you rob do you miss harry osborne not really (laughs) i don't think harry we we know he's Peter's friend because the film tells us he is. We just know that Harry Osborne is friends with Peter Parker. That's like a given. Whereas this does a better, like from the, the moment he's introduced and he's like, will you build my Lego Death Star with me? You're like, <laughs> these two are clearly like the bestest of friends. Yep. They've been friends for years. The, the secret handshake they've got. Yeah, yeah. Everything <laughs> about them two and the way they built that, you know, dynamic between them was perfectly done and he is so yeah. likable like from the minute you oh, see yeah. him oh. well, he's got his hat later on I, at the party <laughs> i was just about to say i love the hat it gives yeah. me confidence yeah. oh i just want to i Peter, love it come back the hat's not working <laughs> 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 yeah. 
Yeah, it's so, oh, so and good. even like the going back to you know how they they sort of really get them the, the idea of their kids across it, the fact we get that homemade video from Peter about civil war mm-hmm. as well that sort of papers over some of the concerns I had in civil war about Peter's use in it because you see it from his angle of like oh I'm I'm on this little field trip and when he's like hey is that mm-hmm. cap who's that new person and you know, sort of like flipping over there, we see it all the little in between bits. It was brilliant. Which also during that mm-hmm. sequence, you can um, oh. there's a little thing I spotted which you can use it in the pub or use it on a day with your Addy fam or with your cheeky mates. It's trivia time. <laughs> it tells of oh no, wrong one. <laughs> I've got a lot of them. <laughs> I love. Slash hate how much Colin's eyes light up anytime you see one of these videos. <laughs> Peter's. Why do you hate it? You're just jealous. It just gives him vindication. Jealous, it winds him up. I've really, I've really knocked George's confidence with what I said yeah, earlier about. He's questioning how I take Rob's. <laughs> For the listeners at home, I think Colin went for a quick piss break a minute ago, oh. and um, I did say to Rob, I was like, wasn't expecting Colin <laughs> oh, to say I'm sorry, that. Sorry, man. <laughs> I, it all comes from a place of love. You know that I love you. You're like a brother to me. You know that. That's a brother with shitty I, opinions. Is, yeah, exactly. I mean, you don't always listen to your brother or sister, do you? But you still love them. So, Peter's film Good. opens with a shot of the Unisphere, which in real life was made for the 1964 World's Fair. In the MCU, it was for the 1974 Stark Expo. The Expo in Iron Man 2 has since been retconned, which is retroactively um, the continuity has been sort of adapted mm. so do you remember colin the little boy that had the iron man helmet on the iron man sort of protected and was like thanks kid in iron man yeah, 2 yeah 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 it rings a bell i'm not gonna say I there was it. a um, uh, internet theory that that was a young peter parker and that's why he's oh. so obsessed with tony stark and tom holland <laughs> took it to kevin feige and kevin feige was like yep why not so the so the fact that his little um, film starts filming that uh, World's Fair sphere where that happened is quite nice. That's nice. Mm. That is very nice. I like that a lot. Love is that it. your trivia, George? Uh, so that's not well, my trivia. That's good no, trivia. Though. That would have been fantastic. It would have been. Yeah. Oh, regretting that. Nice. <laughs> so uh, because we kind of we skip over a lot of what your typical Spider-Man story would be here. Obviously, we don't see Uncle Ben. We don't get the with great power comes great responsibility speech. Um, there's no, like we just said, there's no Harry or Norman Osborn. We don't see him get bit by the spider. Colin, were you maybe a little guide that we strayed so far from what we know a Spider-Man film or a Spider-Man story to be? Is it too MCU-fied? Okay, this is a, that was a loaded question, man. Fuck. Um, so... Firstly, I would say that these were where some of the questions that I have to you guys come from. And it, it sort of refers to... I can't speak on the Andrew Garfield ones because I saw the first one of those when it came out in the cinema, whenever the hell that was, and I never bothered watching the second one. I don't even think they made a third because that did, went down did so poorly. I was going to wind um, you up. Yeah, we'll get to it. We'll get to the first <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah. So I can only go from the Tobey Maguire and and like like I mentioned in the bonus episode for those uh for those films that's my Spider-Man origin that's my mm. Spider-Man 
in general because I've never read a comic book to do with anything like that or even watched the series, the animated shows from back in the day and things like that. Yeah. So with watching this version of Spider-Man, Tom Holland is now Peter Parker. Am I watching this in my head going, the origin story that I've seen Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker go through, is that the same origin story that Peter Parker has? Uh, sorry, with t- fuck me, this is going to get annoying. Is that huh? is that the same story that Tom Holland's version has? Because there's some changes with Tom Holland's version that make me think potentially it's a slightly di- like do i have to look at the toby Maguire one and do i have to wrap that up in its own little universe and pretend that that's got nothing to do with the mcu and do i have to think of tom holland's version is completely separated from what i know of the spider-man from those films does that make Over sense to you, Rob. i think the best mm-hmm. way to look at it is that mm-hmm. the the general beats will be the same he and he does kind of mention them in ned's questions like but they are really quick fire he says that I was bitten by a spider. After yep. that, I got these these powers. Yep. And then in Civil War, he kind of does that with great power comes great responsibility speech in a roundabout way, saying, if you can do what I could do and you don't help, then you know, and something bad happens, that happens because of you. So I always look at it that he lost his Uncle Ben. Mm-hmm. He was bitten by a spider. Yeah. Anything else... It's just sort of filling the gaps. Okay, it may not be exactly the same as sure. Toby Maguire, but I think it, the general beats are going to be the same. It's just they know we don't need to see that again. Cause, sure. I mean, with Andrew Garfield's one, we had to go through seeing him get bit by a spider, Uncle Ben dying. That film has totally gone out from my brain. So when we rewatch yeah. that one, that will be like I'm watching it again for the first time. I do remember it being another kind of you know, uh, origin story version of they, it. They they go straight back to the origin. Really? So I think yeah. they were more like, we know people understand he's been bitten by a spider. Oh yeah, I mean by the third. And... Yeah, it's too much to just do that again. Um, what one follow up to that though is, and I again I can't remember anything about the Andrew Garfield one, so we may as well just pretend that I haven't seen that one. Um, hmm. With the Tobey Maguire Spider Man, it felt to me there was a lot more of. Peter Parker gained a lot of a lot more power from that initial infection from the bite. Like he has the webs come out of his wrists. He has the spider senses, which I didn't pick up on Tom Holland's version having, which was a big like, ah, shit. Mm-hmm. So like the Tom Holland one for me, and I guess we're getting a little bit into my opinion overall. I apologize. I'm fucking throwing this thing all over the place. But mm-hmm. it felt a little bit like Tom Holland's version doesn't really have the same powers and and he's kind of more relying on this iron man uh suit that's been handed down to him and Hmm. and he sort of learns from that and maybe because i don't know i guess i just miss the 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 organic feeling of like these webs are like literally they can Mm -hmm. be made through the biological elements in peter parker's skin and body and it to me that just brings a whole more like visceral nature to him as a character and the spider Mm -hmm. senses to me is like a really powerful thing to have as a superhero and it you know it can pull you in and out of scenarios one way or the other whereas with it kind of felt like with this one it's like it's spider iron man and he relies on 
when his suit's fucked, he's almost a little bit fucked and has to... Th- and I feel like we've already had that. Like, we already have that with some of the other superheroes. You know, Iron Man's been the... Yeah. We've seen him out of the suit. We've seen that to go through, like... Mm-hmm. And I get the idea of... And, and Rob's totally right in saying that this film is sort of like... It's about learning that it's not all about this. You know, if, well, I forget the, the quote. You already said it earlier, but it was along yeah. the lines of, you know, you're more than your suit. And if and if you mm-hmm. don't realise that, then then whatever. You need to figure that shit out. Um, yeah. I don't even really know if I asked a question in that. I felt like I said a lot, but right. So, did um, any of it make sense? Yes. Okay. It does. Um, so I think he he has some form of some powers because obviously he's famous on YouTube because there's a there's a clip of him almost catching a car at that point. So he has some form of hu- superhuman strength. Maybe not to the point of like Captain America or Hulk or anything like that, but some abilities are definitely. Um, he's grown some abilities uh yes obviously spider sense or spidey sense is a massive part of spider-man was that um, in the comics he, yeah yeah, yeah. Wow. It's, it's, it's a massive thing spider sense yeah and agreed he clearly doesn't have it in this film i don't there's know there's a bit at the end where Ooh. um vulture's um thing is about to attack him from behind in the warehouse mm. you know if he had the spidey sense obviously he would have realized that but um it doesn't end very well for him. Yeah, I don't think it's developed. But there's, oh, so certainly, it could be a coming. In, there's certainly a moment in Civil War where something's thrown at him and before it comes at him, he, his eyes widen and he ducks. And there's a few moments like that when he's in the sort of bank robbery with the fake Avengers. They're throwing punches at him and he's like dodging like every mm. single punch they're throwing at him. So I think... It, it is there, but it's not as pronounced because he's still quite early to it. Mm. I think he said he's been doing it for like six months in Civil War. So, so maybe it's something that, it. yeah, maybe it's something that he sort of realizes as he goes on. But I, I was, I was a bit gutted that most of it's turned into like gadgets, though. That's a little, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. From the comics, what we'll though. say. It is, is it okay? In terms of the webs, he we'll... makes his own webs in the comics. Mm. Yeah, we'll give you. Three words. Next time, baby. So. On what, though? The Spidey Sense. Okay. We will leave that until next time. Okay. It's not something uh, so, that uh, the filmmakers are unaware of. Put that way. And was it a big was it a big sort of talking point after this one came out? What I will say yeah. is that it was this film was very well received by both the critics and public alike. Mm. There was some grumbles <laughs> from some corners of the community that did say, "Why is Spider Man Iron Man two point oh?" Okay, so I'm not alone in that thought. I'm just a grumbler. I, everything you're saying, we've heard before, <sighs> and you probably like shut up, you fucking no assholes. I think no? it, I think it's valid. I think okay, you no, know, all all opinions are valid here, Colin Green. <laughs> um, so, Rob, I'm kind of going to ask you almost the same thing. Is this film too MCU, if that makes sense? I don't think so myself. If you're going to do a film set in the MCU, you, you need to have those references to other things. And we'll get mm-hmm. to one of my favourites of them later. But I, um, yeah, I, I don't mind having, like, Tony in it and skipping the, the origin and sort of just throwing it in. Yeah, I'm I'm all up for skipping the origin. Same. Way up for that, yeah. Yeah, I just sort of think you have to make him fit 
and you can change the tone of the film and this being like like you say a John Hughes type teen film is different to anything we'd seen at this point or maybe again yeah i don't, see i i don't know if it felt any different to me it, it it almost felt a bit paint by numbers to me it it these these films are starting to look incredibly similar like there was just too much everything just lined up too much in this film for my liking it was just a lot of like yeah of course that's happened you know like it 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 just felt too we need by the end of this film we need xyz just make it happen you know that's yeah. kind of what it felt <laughs> like a little bit to me i get that it's a different tone in terms of we haven't seen this sort of coming of age um adolescence i guess not yet um so i see what you mean by in terms of that but i just feel like everything else about it was just mcu it was like it was dripping in mcu the action scenes felt mcu <laughs> uh, yeah i mean obviously a lot of the characters popping up but i do agree i i don't have a problem with tony stark being in it i think th- this is exactly what it needed to be for the mcu if i'm honest yeah like it, it, like of course it should be mcu it's fucking spider-man and he's clearly going to go on and be a big big deal in in the world because he's just popped up in civil war and everyone shat their pants so it's like <laughs> It it kind of needed to be MCU, I think, and I just think that's just just the way these films are. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really say they're really known for being drastically different in tone, look, feel, or anything like that. They they found a formula, and the formula really works. And mm-hmm. and and this was another example of of it. It worked. Did I yep. did I love it? No, but it, it was. It's an MCU film. Like mm-hmm. it, it ticked a lot of the boxes. Interesting. Yeah, I really like that. It's cool. Uh, before we move on, can I just very briefly go back to Ned? Because <laughs> I got, I just, I don't know. I love this dude. I think he's one of the, my favorite things in this film, both the character and the performance. I just can't get enough of him. Uh, like we said, he's so likable. He's so charming. And as, in terms of a performance, it comes off so effortless. Mm-hmm. I love how excited he is at times and how, you know, right off the bat, when he finds out Peter is Spider-Man, he automatically tells him, I'm not going to be able to keep this a secret. Yeah. <laughs> um, when he's in the gym with Peter and the rest of the class, he kind of hears a group talking about Spider-Man and he just blurts out like, oh, Peter knows Spider-Man. And it just, it destroys me every single time. <laughs> Rob's briefly mentioned it as well. That montage of him asking Peter every question that under the sun yeah. about what it's like to be Spider-Man. And I love the, do you lay eggs question <laughs> because Tom Holland's reaction is perfection. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, to top it all off, right at the end of the film, when he's walked in on whilst being the guy in the chair and he's discovered by a teacher and uh, she asks him, why is he not at the dance? And his response of, <laughs> I'm watching porn is is so, so good. Um, you know what? Screw it. Let's talk a bit, a bit more about Tom Holland as Peter Parker, too. As we've already, as we've already mentioned, you know he's a young lad. Um, he's got a lot of a lot on his shoulders here, carrying an MCU movie and a solo one at that. Like we also said as well, he was 19 years old when he filmed this. So, Colin, did he live up to the promise that we saw in Civil War? Because he approaches the role very differently to Tobey Maguire. Oh, I think he smashed it. I thought oh, I thought he was fantastic as Spider-Man, uh, Peter Parker, Amazing. Spider-Man. I mean, like what? A, like he was a yeah, he was quality. I mean, I haven't used the word quality in a while, but um, <laughs> acting was great. I, I I liked the version that they're creating. Um, again, like th- there was a lot that I liked in this film. There really was, and mm. I'm, I'm I'm excited to see more of him. Um, 
and again, I just have to separate myself from what I've known up until this point as like to me, Tobey Maguire is still number one currently. Yep. I've only seen mm-hmm. one, ver- one film of this, but it was a, you know, it was a strong, it was a strong movie for him. Like if they carry mm-hmm. on going in that direction, it would not surprise me if two, three, however many films he pops up in down the road, I'm going, yeah, he's, he's the, he's the number one. Mm-hmm. But currently I think old Toby is, is, is my guy still. <laughs> yeah. No, that's understandable. Um, and Rob, obviously you're quite the Spider-Man fan. Um, mm. So how does Tom Holland do in Homecoming? Oh, he's great. Me. <laughs> I love <laughs> the, um, just the approach they have of him, like constantly texting happy. Him being a neighborhood Spider-Man was much better <laughs> by, in my opinion. I liked seeing him doing all the little things, like trying to stop a bike heist or a Grand Theft bicycle, as he puts <laughs> it. And I just like he's eating a churro that he's been given for, you know, helping someone sitting on the side of a building. And that whole montage of him sort of stopping doing those crimes had a really good bit of music. In fact, you could say it was a needle drop. I like that one a lot. With Blitzkrieg Bop. George. George the is shaking his head. That was great. I love that scene. That was fantastic. He's had to live with no, 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 needle drop. Oh, is that, a, is that a pilot season one? Oh, yeah, baby. Yeah. Oh, love it. <laughs> love the crossover. <laughs> um, but yeah, then during that section, we also had Excelsior. Of course. Of course we did. Stan the man, wasn't he? Don't make me come down there, you punks. Marjorie, what how you like? doing? Hey, how's your mother? How's your mother? I love it. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, I love what they did with him. I love the approach. I like that he's naive, and he he really sells this sort of earnest, like you're a bad guy, you're doing bad things, and it goes back to that. We don't have the whole responsibility speech. But responsibility is like a thread throughout all of it. He can't mm-hmm. not. That's his power, I think. It's his responsibility to doing the right thing. Yeah. And that's what he, he kind of is trying to realize as the whole film goes on. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, he might have a date, but he he can't turn his back on, you know, what's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, I love this version of Peter Parker too. I think he's smart. You know, he's not exactly popular, but he's not a recluse in this or anything like that. And this Peter Parker is is all anchored by this amazing script that gives him so much to do, whether it's the really dramatic scenes that I'm sure we'll get into very soon, holding his own against Robert Downey Jr. Tom Holland did a lot of his own stunts and action scenes as well. And he really nails the comedic moments too from... Like Rob just said, giving directions to little old ladies around New York. Um, the interrogation scene with <laughs> Donald Glover destroys <laughs> me. That voice is absolutely <laughs> amazing. Um, and this is more of a, a Spider-Man thing than a Tom Holland thing. But I, I, I love in this that his webs, and this is really geeky, I love that his webs don't disappear after he lets go of them in this film. It's it's a tiny little touch, but I love it. So when he like sort of detaches from a web, you can still see it sort of dangling from where he first swung it's a really nice detail and obviously you know we don't get any big 
epic shots follow him about where he's swinging around New York. Um, in our bonus Spider-Man episodes, we mentioned that they had these massive cameras that they built that could follow, make it feel like you're swinging around New York and give you the sense that you're flying with him. It's not a lot of that here. It's all very grounded a lot of the time just seeing him from maybe a New Yorker's point of view. And I love how the people of people of New York react to him as well, especially the, the guy in the hot dog stand. <laughs> do are, a flip. Are you are, are you that spider guy from YouTube? Yeah. yeah. Do a flip. It's <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um so moving on. Parker comes across Toombs's associates, Jackson Bryce, also known as the Shocker, and Herman Schultz selling weapons to local criminal Aaron Davis. Parker saves Davis before being caught by Toombs in the vulture suit and dropped into a lake, nearly drowning after becoming tangled in a parachute built into his suit. He is rescued by Stark, who is monitoring the Spider-Man suit he gave Parker and warns him against further involvement with the criminals. Toombs then accidentally kills Bryce with one of their weapons and Schultz becomes the new shocker. Colin, Mm. villain time. Mm. So, Michael Keaton as the vulture. Now, there are some people out there that don't regard him as a villain. I mean, they're they're clearly sociopaths as he's a cold-blooded murderer, but I I can also see where they're going with it. But I feel like it's a new approach in regards to a villain in the MCU. So, you've already kind of mentioned that you're a big fan of Michael Keaton. So how was he for you and how was the vulture? Yeah. Again, like I said earlier, Michael Keaton's always good to see on screen. Um, He was good. He was good. Again, like I'm going to come across like I'm a proper grumbler or whatever you referred to him as earlier, (laughs) but like sometimes it just starts to feel like, and also I'm going to, firstly, I will say there was some really good dialogue at points in this film from his character. Mm-hmm. I thought there were some really good moments. But everything else, sometimes it just feels like there's this sort of MCU dialogue generator. Like there's just servers just churning mm-hmm. out lines and lines and lines of dialogue. And every now and right. again, there's just a villain folder. And it's like, <laughs> let's just do- double click on that bitch, grab a few of them, chuck it on the script, we're good. And like, yep. I, I don't know, there's, when those moments happen to me, it, it just really disconnects me and, and makes me realize that I'm watching this giant multi-million dollar made production. And I don't know, man, it's just the way my brain works sometimes. I struggle to, mm-hmm. and I feel like uh, Vulture, uh, sorry, Michael Keaton. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I, I feel like he fell into that quite a few times for me. So, some, of the, some of the big lines of dialogue didn't really hit for me. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, he, he was... He was in it enough, but yeah, I don't think he needed to be it anymore because this was so much based around like Tom Holland. Oh, sorry, Peter Parker's relationship of trying to figure out his own stuff and and obviously trying to make his way into the Avengers as well as dealing with like high school shenanigans and all that sort yeah. of stuff going on. So he was fine. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much all I have to say, Colin. This is why we're doing a podcast with you, my friend, because this is the point of view that we want. We Why? Is it because it's the opposite of it. you two. <laughs> well, maybe, but you know, it's it's bringing something else to rather than just me and Rob just going gushing. crazy yeah. over mm. gushing. Exactly. Um, so before we move on to Rob, I have to ask you the same question I ask you every episode: Are we going to see him again? And do you want to see him again? He's not dead. Yeah, I think I think we'll see him again. Okay, I think so. Interesting. 
And do you want to see him again? I mean, I kind of hope we see him again, because if we don't, then it kind of makes this film even more, like, you're going to look back on it and go, it's a bit of a filler, you know, maybe. Okay. Also with the whole Liz, the daughter, mm-hmm. like, if she doesn't come back, man, like, she, can you can you just tell me if she comes back, please? Or is that too much of a spoiler? Oof. I mean, do you want to know? I don't know, because I, I feel like, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. I'll save that for when we get to those parts in the film, I think. Okay, that's fine. Yep. So, Rob, when Marvel were meeting various directors and asking them, obviously, to pitch the next Spider-Man movie, uh, one director pitched Doc Ock as a villain. One director pitched Green Goblin as a villain. Every other director pitched the Vulture. So did John Watts do the character justice? I think so. Because I know when they were planning to do Spider-Man 4 with, with um, Tobey Maguire, so that was Sam Raimi's choice. Mm-hmm. And I think there's the element of, well, he knows his villains, and there probably is. It's an iconic one. It was like um, Spider-Man's second villain in the whole oh, of wow. the comics. Yeah, it was the chameleon, and then it was Vulture. And he's a very different take to the comics because in the comics, he's an old man who kind of absorbs youth from people. And he's also like a big a thief of things. So they did keep that element. Yeah. I like that they sort of made it fit within this universe. I don't think the whole like sapping age thing would work in this. It would work yeah. for Raimi. It wouldn't have worked in this. But I liked the angle they had that it was driven mm-hmm. by you know, the events of the world, basically. So the MCU world that we're sort of building, all these things are happening around it. So Tony selling Avengers Tower and the Avengers battle, meaning people lost jobs and homes. Mm. It all sort of feeds back into that Civil War stuff, that there are people being affected by these heroics at the same time. So I thought it was good to have like a working class man Again, similar to Peter in some ways, like a working mm-hmm. class background serving the little people, as he puts it. Yeah. But who's lost his way? Yeah, I agree. So this bit is quite lengthy, so bear with me. Parker and Ned study a weapon Bryce left behind, removing its power core. When a tracking device on Schultz leads to Maryland, Parker rejoins the decathlon team and accompanies them to Washington, D.C. for their national tournament. Ned and Parker disable the tracker Stark implanted in the Spider-Man suit and unlock its advanced features. Parker tries to stop Toombs from stealing weapons from a DODC truck but is trapped inside, causing him to miss the decathlon tournament. When he discovers that the power core is an unstable Chitawi grenade, He races to the Washington Monument, where the core explodes and traps Ned and their friends in an elevator. Parker saves them, including his classmate and crush, Liz. So, we've had a few action sequences by this point in the film, but this is, I think, our first and large major set piece, all set at the Washington Monument. So... Did this sequence kind of make you sit up and pay attention, Colin? You know, did you get into this or... You know, is it all just a point of 
in terms of the MCU, like you've kind of hinted at earlier on, once you've seen one action sequence, you've seen them all, or did you find get some enjoyment out of this one? I got I got a lot of enjoyment out of this one. Good. I think um, there were two points in this film that really got like a, an actual physical reaction out of me, which is that's pretty, that's pretty good going to be honest to get a physical reaction out of me from sure. the movie. And it was it was him falling in the ocean uh, or wherever it was wrapped up in his parachute. Mm-hmm. The idea of that happening is is it just makes me want to like just curl up in a ball and disappear. It sucks. Like that yeah. must be mm-hmm. horrific. And the second thing that I'm not great with is heights. And those scenes when he's on top of that frigging thing and the, the way that shot, yeah. man, I was like, I was backing up in my chair, putting my feet up. Like, no, 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 no. I can't do heights, man. That's one thing that, I mean, I jumped out of a plane a few years ago and I thought that got over, I thought that um, sorted me out, but it's crept wow. back in my life, mate. And hmm. um, that was a stark reminder that, that I'm not good with heights. And also, yeah, it really pulled me into, I think, I mean, I'm not alone in, in the height fear thing, so it's not exactly... Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I enjoyed that. I liked, I liked the the visuals of him kind of climbing up the tower. It reminded me of those first ones from from Toby's when he's doing mm-hmm. the and the, and the score follows it. I don't think the score followed this one, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was cool, man. It was nice to see some action as well. I think at this point in the film, it was cool, but it was like you're you're watching a coming of age high school kids film to me. A I think bit. the one just before this, like we mentioned, was in the suburbs where he's sort of chasing the van. That was fun though, because it was nice. Okay. It yeah, was yeah. nice to see Peter Parker sort of not swinging from high rise to high rise. Seeing Spider Man in the suburbs is hilarious. When he suddenly goes to shoot the webs and he's in the middle of a golf course <laughs> and decides, he, then realizes he has to run. These really... weird spider pervy eyes to the kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah there were some cool elements in that. Um, so I think that this next scene was like it was definitely needed by this point. I think it hit mm-hmm. at the perfect time, and I actually really enjoyed this bit. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I've seen this film many, many times, and I still really get into this sequence as well. Um, I love just how long it takes him to get to the top of the monument, mm-hmm. and it's it's little things like that that really help the audience in realizing just how high the stakes are, literally. Mm-hmm. And you know, it raises them even. I'm a big fan in sequence in, in action sequences where you constantly find inventive ways to raise the stakes. And there's that lovely little moment when he's right at the top, and then Karen reminds us that Peter has already just used his parachute the other night. Yeah. So Ooh, yeah, that was nice. It, yeah, it's really nice. And, and it's a really strong sequence for me. So yeah, Rob, they take Spider Man out of New York for this sequence. So and uh like I said, we have kind of skipped past the whole suburbs chase scene as well. Yeah. So were Marvel in this sequence, were Marvel and John Watts really pushing their luck a little bit too much by maybe taking Spidey out of New York? Bugsy. Bugsy. I think it works. It also serves to you've got a Spider Man that isn't sort of Webby around the big city at all. Mm-hmm. He's sort of in the suburbs anyway, really. Like, Queens hasn't really got loads of high-rises. Yeah. So although he's swinging, he's not used to those sort of heights. And it's challenging him. It's, it's good to see that element of an origin that you're seeing him in his early days and still learning all this shit. Yeah. Um, I love that whole sequence. When he's climbing up, though, and the woman in the lift is, like, going... All the safety measures are okay. The carrot's like, they're failing. <laughs> Keeps cutting back and forward to it. Really, really cool. And I love uh, Michelle's bit when she sat outside and she's saying, like, oh. I don't want to. <laughs> What's it? I don't want to. 
celebrate something that was built by slaves. I'm sure it wasn't built by <laughs> slaves. <laughs> the guard's like, uh. <laughs> so cool but i also thought use it in the pub or use it on the day oh, yes it's trivia time when was the last time we was in washington do you remember on your left was it that yeah bit? baby on your left we're back come there on. come on you gotta give me a point of something i love for that, that Colin. how did i get that amazing Jesus. there's something stuck there's something sticking in there isn't there mm-hmm. and also while they're driving to washington on the bus there was a little um, traffic sign that was warning that there were going to be changes to routes due to the Triskelion battle in uh, Winter Soldier. Yeah, they're still cleaning up after Winter Soldier. Very interesting. So speaking of action sequences as well, days later in New York City, aboard the Staten Island Ferry, Parker captures Toombs' new buyer, Mac Gargan, but Toombs escapes and a malfunctioning weapon tears the ferry in half. Stark helps Parker save the passengers and confiscates his suit as punishment for his recklessness. So the set pieces keep coming now. So, Colin, the Staten Island ferry sequence, was this better or worse than the sequence of the Washington Monument? Yeah, I, I, didn't, I, re- I didn't really like this one. This... No, wasn't for this just, one. It was so ridiculous. Hmm? It was so ridiculous. It was like, <laughs> it, it was just like, oh man, sometimes I wonder, did someone just pop up in a meeting and go, you know, it'd be really cool. Like if we just cut a ship in half and then glued it back together a few seconds later. Hmm? And they're just like, yeah, fuck it. Let's, gi- let's give that a go. <laughs> it just felt, I don't know, man. It just, it really didn't work for me this bit. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Sorry, but it didn't. To me, this is almost their version of the Spider-Man 2 bit with the train. Yeah, and it's it's not even close, man. Let's not even right. put it... It's not even close. Okay. Premier League, League 2. I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's not up there. And also, like, this is one of those moments where I get really... I, I get reminded just how, like, sort of PG these films are. Mm. Because that, that whole element of, like, the sort of... The weapon shooting these giant lasers up to literally cut the ship in half which is doesn't hit anyone which is incredible but man give me like a head getting decapitated (laughs) or someone's arm goes flying off or something like (laughs) i know it's not gonna happen but that's Mm -hmm. what i want from a like from a movie watcher like i I like that little bit of like holy shit moments Mm -hmm. you know like it's i haven't seen the latest season but like i've seen some of the boys you know that i'm sure you guys know it Mm. oh yeah and that to me is much more my wheelhouse of like how I would like to watch superhero things because it's mm-hmm. it's 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 the sort of it's just the more uh, just I, I don't want to say it's the more adult one because I feel like that might be sort of um, insulting all of the adults that enjoy the MCU. It's just a different look at it, isn't it? It's a completely mm-hmm. different take, and I just think that take is a little bit more up my alley of what I want to consume as a. You know, when I'm watching things. Uh, yeah. So, like, I would have loved to have seen some people just get absolutely destroyed in that scene. And also, it's like, you can't just glue that shit back together. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Iron Man just pops up with a load of balls that just start, like, helping him squidge one side of it in with the other. And then he just sort of jizzes on the middle of it. And the next thing you know, happy days. We're now having together. A, we're having a conversation on a, on a you know, a rooftop somewhere and, and everyone's cool. It's like, what? <laughs> nah, man, you've lost me there. I'm sorry. That makes sense. 
Um, so on on the flip side of that, Rob, um, <laughs> how's the Staten Island ferry sequence for you? I mean, I can see where Colin's coming from. Mm-hmm. But I would say that even in the Raimi ones, no fuckers get decapitated. Mm-hmm. Someone gets a glider in the dick. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I do like with this Peter that the stakes are a bit lower and a bit, like you said at the start, George, is this is someone who is just trying to stop people selling guns, essentially. Yeah. But this is like a big thing for Peter. This is his first. To him, he's saving the world. Yeah. Oh, it was big to him. It's just that what happened was, was silly. <laughs> yeah. But, it's, but it is, a, man, but it is an MCU film. So Yeah, exactly, exactly. Iron Man has a gadget for everything. Yeah. But yeah, I I do like it. I agree it's underwhelming compared to the Washington sequence. There's no sort of mm. moments that make you sort of go, holy shit, how's he going to sort this? Even yeah. when he's holding those two things together, you kind of expect something to save it. The holy fuck yeah. moment would have been if it didn't happen. That would Tony got there and the boat. Everyone sank of, to their death. Or even the loads of people just floating in the sea as the boat is fucked off, please. And rescue's yeah. coming. Mm. It still would have had the same effect. But um, I like the comedy in it. I like the whole, uh, yay, Spider-Man, man. <laughs> and, then, yeah. and then it starts Iron off. Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, I think the sequence is okay. Um, I, I really like Stark at the end of this sequence. Mm. We've mentioned it before, but the line... You know, if you're nothing without the suit, then you Mm. shouldn't have it. I think this is a line that this is definitely a post Iron Man three. Sorry, Colin line. And Um, the the Stark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the Mm. the uh, Tony Stark of Iron Man one wouldn't say a line like that. You know, it's not as catchy as with great power comes great responsibility. But my favorite line for that section is when he says, um, "I wanted to be like you." And he says, I wanted you to be better. Oof. Really, really great. And he does this whole thing of like... Yes. um, You know, I made it sound like I had some gripes with Tony Stark being in there, but the scenes between them is very, very good. And I do love most of the dialogue. I also really like just how broken Peter is after this scene. You know, where he goes home and tells Aunt May that he lost the Stark internship. I think Tom Holland plays that moment so well. Uh, we're kind of getting close to the end, so maybe we should talk a little bit about Marisa Tomei as Aunt May. Um, Colin, is it weird having a cool Aunt May in a Spider-Man movie? Does it work? It's got a physical reaction from me. <laughs> <Colin. laughs> I'm a sucker for glasses. What can I say? Jesus, <laughs> she, yeah, no. Um, I don't. I think she was probably a bit underused, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, there's these films. There's so much that they need to do in these films now. I think like you kind of have to go into these knowing that you're probably not going to get the, maybe you're not going to get the depth out of some of the characters you want just because there is so much they need to do to, to make sure these all link up and, and intertwine together. Yep. Um, but I really liked it. I mean, I thought it was quite, it was obviously a very different take to what we had seen in, in the Tobey yeah. Maguire ones, but I think like, it it worked perfectly well with with the rest of the film, you know. Like they, they mm-hmm. definitely 
they had a they, they've managed to create an incredibly good environment of Queens and and New York for these characters to live in, and yep. it just makes you want to go there. To be honest, like mm. it just really makes me want to travel there um, and see that part of the world a little bit. Uh, so yeah, I thought she was cool. And good. I mean, you know, it's always good to see a bit of a smoke show on the screen every now and again as well. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> so Rob, how is Aunt May in Spider-Man: Homecoming for you? Definitely no. Uh, from evil oh, yeah. uh, in this one. Oh. <laughs> She's not doing the motivational speech, is she? No. But um, I I love the scene that you just said about where he lost the internship. Mm. He's so good, mm. and he he's so broken. And her reaction, she goes from being so worried, and you, from what Peter said earlier of her having been through a lot, yes. and then her then being that worried you kind of think oh holy shit that adds up with very little you kind of get that anxiety that she's worried that she's lost peter as well and it's great yeah the second she realizes that he's you know he's lost that internship and it was just a really nice performance between the two of them like you really bought that um she you know she cared for him a lot yeah it's a really sweet moment what I think I love most about this Aunt May is her dynamic with Peter. Because in all other iterations of Spider-Man, Aunt May is almost like the mentor figure for him. She's the one that he goes to for advice. She's the one that doles out the really good advice. She's there to guide Peter through his life and through his morality, I guess. Um, but I think that role is, in a way, given to Tony Stark here. So this Peter Parker and Aunt May are just really good friends. Yeah, it's like nice. you can. You can tell there's just so much respect and admiration between them both. Uh, Peter adores her. Uh, there's a really sweet moment as well. Rob, you just alluded to it then. When when Ned realizes who Peter is, he's obviously shocked, even more shocked that Aunt May doesn't even know mm. that um, that he's Spider-Man. And Peter says, you know, she can't know. It's gonna, It will just be too much for her mm. with everything she's been through. Again, reminding us, I'm assuming, Uncle Ben. So she's really experienced some real loss and she's got this great nephew in Peter Parker. And I think, yeah, she's a great aunt May and they're just best friends in this. I adore it. I really love their relationship. Yeah. So, I, w- I would have liked to have seen a lot more of it, to be honest. I thought mm. their, their on-screen presence together was great. And she's, she's pretty fantastic as an actress as well. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Uh, Peter Parker returns to his high school life and asks Liz to go to the homecoming dance with him. On the night of the dance, he discovers that Toombs is Liz's father. Deducing Parker's secret identity, Toombs then threatens him. So, Colin, come on. The twist got you, didn't it? I mean, I didn't see it coming, but my reaction was probably not what you would expect to it. No! I mean... Why? Why what? Why did that need to be in the film? Oh, I should, did it, it didn't like massively raise the stakes for you? Not at all. It just was like, of course, that was one of those moments of like, why? Like, why? Why does it? Why? It doesn't add anything. He's, it to really me, didn't. To me, Spider Man is always about making the hard choices, and suddenly that. Puts What's the him... hard choice? He's going to. He's on his first date with this girl. <laughs> yeah, but in high school, met, right? In yeah, high school, fine, but like. I'm not going to react to it like that. I, I mean, was that meant to be a big thing? Was I that think, like a big moment for when I you saw that, it? Was it like, did the cinema like go like, oh shit, 
this there it was a big big thing in the cinema mm. at my screening yeah everyone yeah. kind of lost their minds a little bit um rob yeah. did it fool you when you first saw it oh yeah i had no idea i mean it fooled me but like mm. who cares like it, it, it didn't add anything <laughs> wow yeah i i gotta disagree with you That's yeah fine. no I, clearly clearly it, it hit you guys it just didn't it just didn't do much like george said there's the whole thing of sacrifice with peter parker and it very quickly puts in this thing of like he's been putting everything into his right i can't be spider-man i'm a can't be i can't be him i was going back to school i gotta do be peter parker and that's it and then he's putting a yes. very very real scenario where he has to go yeah but what are the what are the chances though i mean it's just so like <laughs> come on man i mean it's just it's too. It just all it's, links it's up so too, nicely too easily. Hinted at throughout the whole film. It opens mm-hmm. on him talking about his daughter mm. and that he's got a family and he's got a. You know, he's got people he's looking out for. And then when you come, when you come to that moment of like, oh shit, that's who he's looking out for. There's also a moment when he's in the warehouse. Um, with the rest of the crew and um, it pops up on tv that there's been an incident at the washington monument and some guy says to him well look there's spider-man you want spider-man he's there and as he looks at the tv he looks worried mm. and it's only the more you think mm. about it you realize he's not watching that going oh Sp- what's spider-man doing in washington he's going my daughter's there yeah. so it is set up, and I think Rob, you've Colin, you almost had me there, and even I was questioning it and being like, "Well, no, it's, does it's it, not. Does it's, it bring I'm not, much?" But I'm not trying to have anyone when I say it. I'm just no, no, no. I, I, I I'm agreeing with Rob here in mm. that he's he said to himself, "I can't be Spider Man anymore. It's, it just it didn't work. I'm not I'm not Spider Man. I'm not that guy." And then to suddenly, like we said, the film is about responsibility. That's his superpower, as Rob said. So when he sits in the back of that car and he's realizing this is this is the vulture, this is the guy I'm going up against, I, I, I have to do something. He's told me not to. He's told me he's going to kill everyone I love. I, I have to do something. Yeah, yeah, Rob. Yeah, cool. I'm agreeing with Rob. I'm not <laughs> saying who's. I'm not saying anyone's wrong. I'm not no. saying anyone's right. But, um, no, of yeah. course, I'm just saying that it just seems a little. Like, come on, you know. Is it like, far fetched? Of course, of it's a, course it's a it massive, massive, massive coincidence. Yes, and like, yeah, I don't know. It just it it didn't. It definitely didn't make me go, oh shit! Like it, it, it didn't really raise the stakes for me because I don't really know. I don't know. I guess maybe the whole Liz character just wasn't that forward in my mind throughout the film. Mm-hmm. I know it's there as the love interest, but. I mean, I'm not really that fussed about watching like a coming of age high school film. So mm-hmm. those moments of it, although they were great and they were done, it wasn't, I mean, it's all, it's been done to death by this point in time in like mm-hmm. movie making and Hollywood. It was cool. Yeah. But like, I just guess I wasn't overly invested with, with how quite how attached he was to Liz just because of how frequently he just darted off when he needed, to yeah. me, this film was him wanting to be an Avenger. It was him trying to get into the Avengers and that was top priority and he'd do, and mm-hmm. obviously he'll, he'll learn his lessons along the way. Yeah. So like that, this whole thing felt like a bit of like a throwaway plot line that I, that I wasn't particularly invested in. So when they showed him the reveal, it was just like, Oh, all right. Mm. Okay. okay. 
interesting. Yeah. I, I, I can remember watching this for the first time and just I fell in love with this moment. I remember as Peter was walking up to the front door to ring the doorbell, all the music sort of drops out. And it just felt weird from like a filmmaking standpoint. So, you know, we ha- we all seen that moment in films where the guy's knocking on the door to pick up his date and you always tend to have some some pop music in the background or some nice score. It's all completely manipulative, but it works. Uh, but then <laughs> suddenly Peter's walking up to the door and all we hear is his footsteps. And I turned to the person I was watching it with and I whispered, how mad would it be if... And then tombs mm. opens the door and i can say it fooled me it floored mm. me obviously um for people that don't know i am a manager of a cinema as well and i had i made sure i knew the timings of that scene <laughs> so i could always go in and check people's nice. reactions and there was always some gasps as well <laughs> yeah there, there's also another point in this film coming up where i really really wanted to see people's reactions to and we'll get there sure yeah, i think like it changes the villain's perspective on his antagonist as well so Mm. Tombs is also changing how he sees Spider-Man because he's seeing him as, okay, well, he's getting involved in my ship, but he saved my daughter, which is an interesting thing to throw at the villain as well as throw at the the hero. Mm. And I I kind of think that a lot of the plot has been him wrestling with the idea of being, well, can I just be a normal kid for five seconds? He's at a party and he's about to sort of try and impress the girl he likes. And then a a massive explosion goes off and he's like, well, Mm -hmm. I've got to leave the party. And he's, mm-hmm. you know, he's, um, he's about to go there on that decathlon. Everyone's like, come to the pool. We've got snacks and we're going to have fun and all this sort of yeah. thing. Come along. And she invites him and he's like, no, I've got to go and pursue <laughs> this. And he, he has a moment of looking down like, well, I could be doing that, but no, I've yeah. got to do the right thing. And I think just as he's decided that he, he's going to just give up and he's going to pursue the thing he actually wants to do, which is just be a kid for five seconds. Mm. So he goes, well, fuck that you're not doing that (laughs) and he might have actually had it not been anyone related to that he knew or that he was linked to in any way he might have actually just gone let it be iron man's problem let it be someone else's problem i'm not good enough for it i think it's a really important moment but i yeah i appreciate if it didn't land like i've seen this film a a fair few times now so but I, th- I think that the, the the scene definitely in the car still landed with me in the in the cinema. The scene in the car was good. Okay, was so because the scene in the car was good. Yeah, I got yeah, a that, feeling that was cool. Yeah, I got a feeling Colin's about to roll his eyes at me because we have to talk about the sequence in the car. Because is it crazy of me to say I think that scene in the car with just three people chatting is one of the best sequences we've seen so far in Super the MCU? Super fucking well blocked and mm-hmm. written and shot. Even the the traffic lights. Ah. And he realizes it turns his degree. So just gold. So this at least got something out of you, Colin. Yeah, no, I I enjoyed this scene. I I enjoyed the conversation they both had in the car as well. Once uh, Liz had left, I thought that was a really, when I said earlier about, there was some great dialogue between Mm. um, them, Vulture and, and that, that was definitely one of the standout moments. Yeah. In terms of the script as well, I think it's so good. There's so many times where Peter gets off the hook in regards to, um, Toomes' suspicions and mm. Liz always drops it him in it again. You know, he's if he's getting closer and closer to suspecting Pete with every new drip mm. of information, Keaton plays it all perfectly. I love that so when, really condescending liar when he's um having his chat in the car, Liz has gone in. He's like, I just saved your life. What do you say? Oh, <laughs> it's like Oh yeah. So really fucking good. So there's that moment as well when Liz mentions that Pete was at the house party 
and Michael Keaton plays it perfectly. He just goes, ah, and you, mm. you know that moment in his head is like, I can't believe I thought this kid was Spider-Man then. Hmm. But because then Liz is like, yeah. oh yeah, he was at our party. Ah, right, cool. Carries <laughs> on. And then Liz then drops another bomb that, oh, you were only there for two minutes and then vanished. Yeah. And then suddenly we get a real tight close-up of his eyes in the mirror. And obviously, like Rob said, the traffic light goes red. The whole lighting in the car changes. And then we get that last reveal that Peter was on the Washington trip, but he wasn't in the lift. You know, thank God Spider-Man was there. The traffic light goes green, signifying Keaton Vulture now mm. knows everything. And his eyes with that green reminds me of the Vulture's eyes. He's He suddenly goes green, like the, the costume. Mm. And he gives that wonderful, perfect Keaton smirk. And what's the line? It's something like, <laughs> good old Spider-Man. <laughs> um, and fuck you, Scorsese. That is cinema. It was another, it was another great um, reminder of just how sort of the age of of um peter parker as well because because of the way he was like um vulture was really dictating the conversation and, oh, yeah. and almost like playing with uh peter parker's mind because you know you can't get away with that with many of the avengers i mean they would have already fucking whipped your ass by now yeah well i like the detail it was good that um peter had decided already in the car because he left the tracker on his phone yep he'd already decided yep. before he left that he was gonna yeah yeah, he's going to cool. be the one to chase him. So good. Parker realizes Toombs is planning to hijack a DODC plane, transporting weapons from Avengers Tower to the team's new headquarters. He leaves the dance, dons his old homemade Spider-Man suit and races to Toombs' lair. Though he is ambushed outside by Schultz, he defeats him with Ned's help. Inside, Toombs attacks Parker, destroying the building support columns and leaves Parker to die, trapped in the rubble of the collapsed building. So this is really Tom Holland's big moment for the film. It's the moment, obviously, where Peter realises he's Spider-Man even without the suit. It's a big capital A acting moment. Colin, does Tom Holland sell the moment or is it all a bit too much? I think he sells it. I don't think there's much he doesn't sell in this film, if I'm honest with you. Mm. I completely agree. I love this moment so much. Um, so, Rob, when Peter is laying under the rubble, and you know, there's that moment where he catches his reflection in the water and we get that echoey, stark dialogue playing over it. Is it too cheesy or does Watts make it work? Well, I'll answer your question. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> I'll answer it with a little segment that I like to call Ching, 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 ching. It's a Marvel money shot. Oh, uh, oh no. Yes. <laughs> Love the Marvel money shots. So, yeah, there's there's two in this bit. Mm. So this is taken from a classic moment from Amazing Spider-Man issue 33. Peter is trapped under rubble and has to talk himself, you know, through it. Mm. It's so good. That shot of half of his mask and half Peter in mm. the water. It's so comic booky. Yeah. In a film that hasn't been sort of hasn't been overly comic booky. Yeah. It just works. And I, the moment when he lifts that thing up is so triumphant. And that's mm. when you get the Marvel money shot. I think Marvel <laughs> money shot might just be dudes lifting things or holding things that are really heavy. 
Like helicopters. Definitely yeah. is for George, for sure. Breaking blocks of wood in half. <laughs> oh, it's just such dear. a triumphant moment when he's like, come on, Spider-Man, come on, Spider-Man. It's just... Yes. But the, the it's heartbreaking as well because when he's screaming out and he's like, help, help, I'm, I'm trapped, someone help me, please. Mm-hmm. But he's like a scared kid. He's never sounded more like a kid in the whole film yep. than that one moment. Yep. It's... Yeah, it's great. It's a a massive moment for the film. Before we move on, Colin, Mm. we actually have a question for you from another podcast. Okay. So this question comes from our good friends at MCU On Repeat, and they ask, what's been your favorite score for an MCU movie, and why is it Spider-Man Homecoming? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Okay. Um, let me have a think. Because I know you said in the past you haven't really noticed or appreciated any of the scores. Did you notice the score in this film as well? I think it's a bit of a, it's a hard one to answer because I feel like you really get a feel for the score when you watch films in the cinema. Mm. Like that's when you really can take the whole thing in with all of the sound system and, you know, the surround sound, the way it's mixed and mastered for a specific cinema. So when I watch them through just a sort of bullshit TV, yeah, it it never really hits quite the same mm. uh, sonically. And I would also say, and I don't want to insult anyone because I know a lot of people that work in post production, film, and TV and stuff. And you know, I'm not I'm not like shitting on anyone because it's a very difficult thing to do. Mm. And there's a lot of incredibly talented people that are involved in doing scores and all of that stuff. But I would say that maybe Hollywood scores, and I'm going to say Hollywood scores as and sort of putting MCU as as pretty much being Hollywood now, to yep. be fair. Yeah. Um, I feel like maybe they're lacking a little bit of innovation. Um, and I, again, I don't want to insult anyone because I know how much work and effort goes into those things. Hmm. But if if you ask me to hum any of the scores from these films, I don't know if I could. I I really appreciated the the Spider Man theme mm. at the beginning of this one being like yeah. a fully orchestrated. That was a lovely little moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a shame it's the only time it's done in the film. To be honest, yeah, I would have liked some more of that. Mm-hmm. I think that would have really helped just nail it home as being one of those epics that are going to live on through time. You know, yeah. Um, I remember there being a pretty strong one in Avengers. I think if you maybe started doing that one or humming it or playing ba, it, I'd be like, yeah. ba 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 ba. There you go, there you go. But I think, I think like if I was to think of scores over the last decades that I've actually remembered. Yeah, I think the two that I would that would come to mind aren't even don't even have strings involved. Yeah, and that would probably be Social Network, Trent Reznor. Oof. And uh, do you remember that film Nightcrawler? It was yeah. a, with Jake uh, Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal film. I remember the score being fantastic in that, yeah. and I think it was a lot more. It was maybe a bit more based around like mm-hmm. I don't want to say electronic, but it was definitely more of a hybrid between like organic instruments and electronic instruments. And I think that's just where my brain is a bit more interested these days yeah. sonically interesting but i do think again if i was to see these in the cinema i reckon they'd probably hit me very differently yes uh, imagine that washington monument sequence in the cinema i'm sure i'd come out of those films if we went like when it gets to a point in this and i'm caught up and Mm -hmm. we go and see these films together in the cinema and then maybe knock out a pod straight away afterwards i can imagine i'm gonna be in very different 
mm. like you know state of mind after witnessing it with and especially if there are moments in the cinema where like everyone gasps and shit yeah. like that's only gonna rub off on on you when if you're around that of course yeah. whereas i'm just sat in my front room watching these mm. you know with a coffee in my hand so very interesting off pod um mm. when we do eventually do our video commentaries of these mm. actually no we'd have to have headphones in i was just thinking that we have to watch some of these at the lights if we can like after hours mm-hmm. that'd be cool just some of the the bigger ones we can i think yeah. it'd be for colin to get the cinema experience for some of them i think it'd yeah be nice. that'd be nice that'd be amazing yeah that'd be really well, even good. if we just go through like some select scenes of being like colin yeah, this yeah. is what this felt like in yeah, the big screen. yeah. Mm. yeah you will remember the score just <laughs> <laughs> listen to it <laughs> Right. Parker escapes and intercepts the plane, steering it to crash on the beach near Coney Island. He and Toombs continue fighting, ending with Parker saving Toombs' life after the damaged vulture suit explodes. Parker leaves Toombs for the police along with the plane's cargo. And we get our last and final set piece of the film. The stakes are still relatively small, uh, in the words of Stark, below the Avengers pay grade. But it still ends with Spider-Man hanging off of a plane that's flying above New York. Did we still have you by this point, Colin? Or was it start looking at your watch time? Speaking of, I've just remembered something. I really hope I'm not going to be the only person here that thinks this is nuts. But I will never forget this about you, Colin. Is it still true that you run your watch 10 minutes fast? Is it all my watches are 10 minutes fast? All of his watches, Rob, are 10 minutes fast. If you're ever around Colin, let's say it's approaching five o'clock, you'll Mm. hear his watch go beep, beep. And I'll I'll sit there and I'll tell myself, right, it's 10 to five. It baffles me. Explain yourself. Well, I mean, how many many times have I been late? There we go. How how many times have I ever been late, George? (laughs) I can't, probably never. Never. So that's why you do it, because you don't want to be late to things. I do it because I get such high levels of anxiety if i think i'm going to be late to something Mm. like it's to a point where it's like crippling like if i feel like i'm going to be late first thing i'll do is call up whoever that person is and be like i'm sorry i'm going to be late like i have to let them know or my brain will just be swirling around the thought of like just being late and i always turn up to everything early 15 10 15 minutes early and the thing that doing the 10 minutes ahead of time does to you is over time, you forget that you're 10 minutes ahead. Mm-hmm. So if you ever do end up being in a moment where you're like, oh, fuck, I'm running a bit late, you then suddenly go, oh, no, I've got 10 minutes. Like, it's just this sort of oh, reassurance okay. in my brain of like, you've still got time, man. Don't worry about it. It's genius. Okay. So, okay. Uh, you've always rinsed me for it. And I've always stood by and just, the first thing I say is, have I ever been late? <laughs> and the answer will be no. I hate being late. Yeah, And if I'm even, like, if I go on a fucking flight, which I haven't done for a long time, but if I do, man, I'm basically at the airport, like, way, mm-hmm. way in time. Like, the idea of traveling somewhere and, like, half, you get halfway there and there's, like, roadworks or there's been an accident oh. and you're just sat in traffic and you're about to miss something, mm-hmm. I can't live through those moments, man. Yeah. Like, I can't. It's horrible for my, my mind to do. So oh. I just put that in place a few years ago. And uh, it's getting annoying now, though, because certain apps on your phone don't work. Right. Because they need to be linked up with the, um, you know, the the, the real time, mm-hmm. like because of the way some apps run. Like when I, when I went to the UFC, I went to UFC London in March, and I got to the gate where they scan your ticket, and they started scanning my tickets on the phone, and it was just flashing up red and shit on their screen, and I'm like, oh no, what's going on here? Yeah. And luckily, some woman who worked there was just like, 
is your is your um phone set to the default time on there? And I was oh. like, no, it's actually 10 minutes ahead. So then I had to go in my phone and reset it. And because of scammers and stuff, if the time code doesn't work out when they scan it, they think that it's someone trying to do a scam. What? So you have to have your phone on like, you know, whatever you'd call it, just well, normal time, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, little things like that have started to creep up now. Like if I try and do certain things huh? on on like, you know, things on Chrome or whatever, they're like, you can't access this page because we've noticed that your time doesn't link up. They ah. think that you're kind of fucking around a bit. So, but I'm, I'm holding on. I'm Good. holding on. Okay. No, I, it's justified. I'll allow it. How was the plane sequence for you? <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was 10 minutes shorter. Oh. Um, no, I'm no. joking. I'm oh. joking. That was fine. I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, man, by this point in the film, I probably was a little bit checked out. I'm not going to lie to you. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fine. It, it it was cool i liked the visual of the plane using this sort of camouflage technique to Mm -hmm. blend in with that that was really nice visually but yeah i don't really have much else to say about it i'm really sorry it's all good so rob this last fight scene does it hold up against what we've previously seen maybe not in the mcu but other spider-man movies i really like it Mm. and i think it's really interesting that spider-man has this kind of he is the new york superhero And you've got this whole thing of, I don't know if there's anything in this, but in in terms of Raimi Spider-Man coming out just after September 11, mm. and that whole thing of the city rallying and being like, you take on New York, you yeah, take on mm. all of us, that kind of thing. Yeah. And this culminating in a, in a set piece that was basically Peter trying to steer a plane away from New York, mm. kind of says, if that's not fucking New York's, hero i don't know yeah. what is it was just yeah i really like it there's there's a really nice line in the middle of it that was very um spider-man where he says just a typical homecoming on the side of an invisible jet fighting my girlfriend's dad <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was a funny moment yeah. and I, I i like that he just chooses to solve fake <laughs> try tries to save vulture from himself which again is a very spider-man with, thing to do yeah, yeah especially yeah. spider-man 2 like you know mcguire's one you know trying to you know, get through to the the villain and um, you know solve it with words rather than uh, yeah, rather than sort of just sort of trying to defeat him. Yeah, and he didn't kill him, which was nice. Yeah, yeah, he's still agreed, alive and kicking at the end of the film. So after her father's arrest, Liz moves away. We also come to learn that Peter's classmate Michelle likes to be known as MJ. Parker declines an invitation from Stark to join the Avengers full-time, and Stark proposes to Pepper Potts. Stark also returns the Spider-Man suit to Parker, who puts it on, just as Aunt May walks in. So I think quite a fun last few minutes of this film, with quite a bit to unpack, so where do we begin? So, Colin, maybe about, how about the reveal that Michelle is mj so mm. are you looking forward to maybe a, a possible blossoming romance between peter and michelle would you have preferred that romance to be with liz do you care? i do care about this mm-hmm. um and i i really liked michelle throughout the film i thought she was like a really nice sort of breath of fresh air as as a as a character throughout really um, quirky isn't she yeah very very quirky i i I, I enjoyed her little one-liners that would pop up and the mm. fact she just like tossed up a middle finger and shit every now and again. Like, <laughs> that was did. nice. <laughs> She's always throwing the finger yeah. in the air in the background. Um, so I really enjoyed her in it. The MJ thing was a bit sort of like, it just made me go, oh, all right. So she's Michelle Jane. <laughs> like, 
I mean, like, no one was... Has she always been Mary Jane? Like, how does that work? It's in- always been Mary Jane. I think okay. she's called Michelle in this film to throw you off. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, okay, so that's fine. But did anyone expect her to be Mary Jane? Because she was being called Michelle the whole film. So yeah. it was cool, like, I, I guess... It didn't really. I just sort of went, oh, okay, that's cool. Like, I'm glad that she's going to be in it more because I liked her character, and and I definitely would like to have seen more of her than than the Liz character. So I'm mm-hmm. glad that that's sort of moved over. Mm. But it was a little odd. Like, I don't know what they were trying to get from doing that. Was it just like a? Oh, by the way, this is the new MJ. Were I think they trying it was, to get a, people- it was a big old next time baby for the fans. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean. So then on that, did you want us to answer the Liz question or not? Well, I don't know because the more I think about it, like if you had taken Liz out of this film and you had just had the MJ moment, like, you know, the the the, the romance or the relationship build throughout this film with Michelle and Peter Parker, mm-hmm. because that reveal at the end was just, I mean, I, I don't know, it, it didn't, it was a reveal, but like, I don't know if I would have preferred to have had the film play out with just MJ being the love interest from the get go. Liz not being in there because the daughter dad thing reveal with Vulture didn't really do much for me anyway. So, and I'm just worried that like, if Liz doesn't come back, that it almost feels like she was only in the film to set up this reveal of Vulture being the dad to just add these layers. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a bit like, so what was the point? I get there's a point of you watch, Peter Parker learned these things but I don't know I just feel like maybe maybe the film I would enjoy was just a slightly different version of this because there was a lot I liked in it yep um so I guess I just wanted to know if Liz was back just to kind of reassure me of whether or not it was really that worth it in this in the grand scheme of this is a giant universe of god knows how many films Mm -hmm. and 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 through this one it does make me think how much of this is actually worth it's good you know how much of hey, you guys are smiling i feel like right now what i will say <laughs> is that i don't think it's a big spoiler i don't think anyone's going to be mad at me to say liz does not come back oh okay. and um i think you kind of got it very right that maybe her purpose in the film is to a divert our attention to maybe her becoming a love interest in order to the twist to maybe be a bit more impactful Mm. I, th- I, do, I thought she was great though like i don't want to take she's very good from, in the film laura from, harrier yeah yeah, yeah um, she was really good i don't want to be i don't want to be slating anyone because i thought all the performance in this in terms of acting and stuff there's was, not a weak performance yeah. i don't think there's a weak performance in there at all mm-hmm. i just think maybe some of the the storyline choices just maybe weren't for my taste and and yeah i was wondering about the liz thing so yes no um she is done um so rob like uh colin said zendaya who plays MJ here and Michelle. It's very much in the background, but almost by design. Uh, but I'd say, you know, critics did say that she was somewhat of a scene stealer. So how was she? I in think she's great. Every time she pops up, she has a really funny moment. Like mm-hmm. when she's calling them losers in the, in the cafeteria, when she's sitting in detention mm. just to watch people who are in distress, know, in distress, yeah. <laughs> and drawing them. And uh, even all the books she's reading, I don't know if you noticed them. Um, mm. And, if you like, you can use it in the pub or use it on a date with your ruddy fam or with your cheeky mates. It's trivia time. I'm quite yeah, into it now. One of the... <laughs> <laughs> modest. One of the um, books that she is reading in particular 
um, they all relate to moments in in the story, sort of around Peter Parker. So, for instance, she's reading Sylvia Plath at one point, and she wrote a lot of poetry around spiders. Um, she's reading a book called Of Human Bondage when they're in the gym, which is a novel where the protagonist is said to live with her aunt and uncle after their parents die. There's loads of little things like that. But I just like that she's in the background observing and quietly sort of like doing her own thing. I think it's um Yeah, it's I'm, nice. I'm excited to see more of her for sure. Mm. Yeah, she brings something really fresh to the film. Uh, and yeah, so Pepper Potts is back. So last time we saw a Tony Stark in Civil War, it was mentioned that they were taking some time apart. Mm. Well, it would seem that's all now being resolved as they're now engaged by the end of this. So speaking around that scene, Colin, was Peter right to walk away from joining the Avengers? Do you want to see him in these big team-up films or is it best that we just keep him at ground level in New York? I feel like maybe it's only a matter of time until he gets there. Okay. But I do also think that was another thing of the film. It was like, this one to me was much more of a, rather than the origin story, it was more it was more the origin of, well, what I was expecting it to be was more the origin story of how Peter Parker becomes an Avenger mm-hmm. rather than the origin story of how he becomes Spider-Man. Oh, sorry, Spider-Man becomes an Avenger or whatever. Mm. Um, and I kind of feel like him saying no at the end, although it makes total sense because he is just a kid and clearly at this point he's maybe not quite ready mm-hmm. to be thrown in on some of those crazy crazy things that we've seen happen in the avengers films i I gotta be honest i was expecting him to join Mm. i was expecting him to join and then maybe just start him off on some some lower stuff to kind of start building him up with the because there's a lot that he needs to fucking be told about man like there's a lot of intel that that guy needs to learn of what the hell's been going on yeah um and i feel like it will get there i'd be surprised if we don't see spider-man team up in an avengers film so again it kind of threw a lot of those questions of how much of this film was was really in the long run worth it mm. interesting next time baby yeah, next time it. baby we'll all will be revealed um yeah i mean there's I, a lot of next time babies from this there's film, a lot in so, this film yeah, yeah maybe sure. it has a lot yeah uh so yeah i really like the ending to this film i think it's a great funny way to end it it was actually kevin feige's idea to end the film this way he wanted their version of this film to be almost very similar to the ending of iron man one with Stark, you know, revealing to the world that he was Iron Man. Because superhero films always used to be about secret identities. So Kevin Feige said something along the lines of, by having Stark reveal his identity, but then having, you know, Homecoming ending with Aunt May finding out that Peter is Spider-Man, it ensures that if we come back for another film, we're forcing ourselves to do something unique and not rehashing any old story beats. Um, so Rob, it's a massive moment for Aunt May finding out. It is, yeah. Can we talk about one little moment in the build-up yes. to all this? Because I think it's comedy gold that um, Happy is just casually chilling out in the boys' toilets. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was a good. Thing. And then also <laughs> that guy comes out and starts washing his hands. That kid <laughs> as well deserves. Yo, special praise. Extra, extra. He's a ruddy good extra. That's a new Whoa. one. Because earlier on when they're in the hallway, there was um, there's that bit where Ned's really craply hides and he's waiting there and this kid's going, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I'm just chewing. He said, like, what are you doing? And the kid goes, chess. 
That's the yeah. same kid that sees <laughs> Happy Hogan oh, at the end in the toilet. And he's, oh. I think he deserves a shout out because he's so good. Yeah, oh, most definitely. Yeah. Very, <laughs> very funny. Yeah. But yeah, I love that ending, especially with the no, 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 needle drop. Well, Blitzkrieg Bop again. That what the and the cutoff. Really, really, really cool. It's full of energy, really fun. And again, leaves you thinking. Okay, what's next? Like yeah. it's a, like you say, it throws out those um, cliches out the window, and you're like, "Well, how's he going to deal with that?" Him yeah. it. Yeah, John Favreau back as Happy yeah. Hogan. I think he's really, really fun in this. Com- very, very different character throughout the sort of the Avengers. No, the the uh, the MCU movies. I think the character's always changing. I think he's he's very funny in this. Um, he's got a great dynamic with Peter, which really works mm. as well. Um, so. If you if there if there was to be another Spider Man movie, Colin, do you want to see more of that relationship with with Stark and with um, with Happy Hogan, or do you want to see him sort of move away from those and becoming like more of a solo proper solo? I mean, Spider-Man personally, movie? I think I would prefer a proper solo Spider Man movie, but I can't see it going that that way. Mm. Um, I hope it does, but again, like I'm I'm still fine with the direction they've gone in. Mm-hmm. Like I understand that linking it up with the other guys is, is sort of what they. Well, it seemed like what they were going for. Yeah. But Happy Hogan was cool. I mean, he was doing a pretty terrible job of what he was meant to be doing. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, within the film. But that just made it sort of funny. Mm-hmm. And and how much he was, like, ghosting um, <laughs> Peter Parker on those constant <laughs> text messages. And he was just constantly updating him and stuff. Yeah. But, so it was a funny. And that's got to be the first time he's popped up for a fair while. Yeah. Old, uh, Johnny Since Favs, Iron Man which 3? In the timeline. A long time A fair time while ago, ago right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's been a while. Was that the last time we saw Pepper Potts as well? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she she skipped okay. Civil War, yeah. Huh. Okay, so let's jump into the ratings. Uh, Colin, what are you going to give this out of five? I think on hindsight, I'm probably going to listen back to the episode and realise how much I've just shat all over it. <laughs> I hope it hasn't come across like no. that, because there was a lot of elements You've in this You've given some very valid points. I really enjoyed Tom Holland, and I'm excited to see what happens with Peter Parker. I love... Um, I'm really excited to see MJ or Michelle, like a lot more of her in, in whatever happens next. Mm-hmm. Three stars. Okay. Rob, what do you give Spider-Man Homecoming out of five? I'm going to tell you with a little segment I like to call, lend us a fiver, mate, and you got a fiver. <laughs> giving it five. Wow. Oh, jeez. Yeah. That's two in a row, isn't it? Two in a row. Wow. For very different reasons than I gave Guardians a five. That was like I emotionally connected with that film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it yeah. um yeah, it hit me emotionally. Whereas this, it just comes down to the same reason I gave Winter Soldier a five. Just a it was just love it. I just love it. Yeah, good fun. Yeah. And I can't think of anything that, that there was I, I definitely all your points you were making I could see as valid. But I, I disagree with the the reveal and the twist. Mm. But in terms of like the Staten Island stuff, yeah, I can see that. But I still I for me, I, I still really like. There's nothing about the film I dislike, mm. and um, it all works for me in a really strong way. Nice. So I think it's yeah, it's a five for me. You I always maybe go to four point five, but I'm drinking the Kool Aid, baby. It's never my intention to change your guy's opinion on it. <laughs> uh, I am going to give this a four out of five. I think it is a ridiculously solid film. Really confidently directed by John Watts too. Like I said, the dynamic the dynamic between Peter and Ned for me is the real heart of the film. I love them so much. 
But as mentioned, I do get the nagging feeling that maybe Iron Man was popped in here to sell some extra tickets. To me, I think the film loses, and it's only that's my opinion. Obviously, I don't know if that was the reason. But because of that, I feel like the film loses some of its purity because of that. But otherwise, this is definitely one of the strongest entries to the MCU. To think that this film exists in the same universe and was made by the same production people as Thor The Dark World, for example, just shows how strong the MCU is right now. I love this film too. Trivia time. Can I just can I just ask you guys a quick yes, question? Of course. When it comes down to the superheroes in the MCU, have I met your favourite one yet? Or do you have a favourite one? And if I have met them, who is it? Captain America's my favourite. What? Yeah. I love Cap. Wow. Mm-hmm. Hulk. Hulk. Yes. Um, <laughs> I have a few that have become recent. Um, so some of the newer ones, you mean, that I don't know yet? Some of the ones you don't know. There's, there's one in particular that I'm, okay. I really enjoyed and I'm very intrigued to see where they go next with. Okay. We might be thinking about the same person, and I hmm. very much agreed, yes. Yeah. You know too much for your own good. Now that's what I call using the old head. So, who's going first on trivia? I think it's me. I think you went first last week. Okie dokie. Right. This got heated in the group chat it earlier. It did get heated. Yeah. <laughs> really They've did. already been at each. They've already been at each other about the trivia. <laughs> <laughs> I was enjoying it. <laughs> I might post that in, on Instagram. You've got to. Um, <laughs> so my trivia. I'm. Yeah. I I started this uh, episode without a jingle in my heart, and I'm going to leave it with many a jingle because I think I've creatively peppered some in. I'm not sure if you've noticed them. <laughs> I've added a few new ones. It was subtle uh, this week. This is a little segment that I like to call Creative License. Vroom, 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 vroom. So you may have noticed throughout the... Um, it's how calmly he comes back from it. I love it. You may have noticed throughout the film, there was a lot of, um, say, peculiar license plates. Or maybe you didn't notice them, but they... Uh, I just felt like I needed to buy an Audi after watching this. <laughs> well, the, the license plates themselves are, are peppered with... Um, nods to spider-man and marvel history so um, aunt may's license plate reads amf 1562 which is a nod to may and peter's first appearances in the amazing fantasy issue 15 from 1962 shocker's van has mar 4667 which was issue 46 1967 which is when they first appeared the driveway in the um, in the driveway during the chase um, sequence early on when he's um, running through the suburbs. There's ASM two six seven, which is Amazing Spider Man two six seven. Peter's chasing a thief through the suburbs and he's unable to swing anywhere. All all sort of linking back to these moments throughout Marvel history. Aaron Davis's plate has UCSM zero one, which is Ultimate Comics Spider Man one, because that's his first appearance. Gargan's van on the ferry is um, hmm? so he was the the guy they were selling to has SM one nine two zero and he played the scorpion that's the he's the scorpion in the comics basically and that's the scorpion's first appearance was in Spider Man number nineteen and then his first four appearances in twenty so they included both and again on the ferry we have SM two zero five six three which was Vulture and Tinkerer's um, first appearance in Amazing Spider Man issue two in nineteen sixty three. So that's why those numbers are put in there. And the last one on the ferry, 
Not sure why they did it. They have HTD 003, which is Howard the Duck, issue three, where Howard the Duck goes on an adventure with Aunt May. (laughs) (laughs) Man, that was fantastic. Wow, you smashed that up. George, you got got some... That was really good. You got some work to do. No, I completely agree. I didn't actually know that, so it worked for me as well. Uh, Very, very interesting. I'm not going to be nasty at all. Um, Mine, I guess you could call it trivia. This actually takes place, and it's set after the the release of the film. Stuffing to do with the making of the release. And I guess it's half trivia, half funny anecdote. Um, So a couple of years after the release of this film, uh, John Favreau, whilst he, because obviously he directed Iron Man 1 and 2, he took a, a little break from the MCU, and he ended up making a film called Chef where he plays um, a chef that has obviously been working in these like Michelin restaurants and really fine dining. And one day just has enough of it, just realizes this work. I'm just, it's too stuffy for me. So he gets like this food truck and just makes like Cuban sandwiches and these incredible like grilled cheese sandwiches and things like this. It's a really wonderful, heartfelt film. He actually got Scarlett Johansson to um, be in it as well. It's a beautiful, heartwarming film. Based off of that, Netflix said to him, would you like to have your own chef show where you play, you're not, you're not playing a character, you are John Favreau, and you get to spend every week chatting to different like celebrity chefs, different celebrities, different actors, actresses, and just cook food with them whilst cook, uh, interviewing them. It's a great idea for a show. Rob, I, I know you're a fan of the show as well. And this one episode, he invited um, Gwyneth Paltrow on. Uh, so they have a, they're cooking something. I can't quite remember what. And this is an insight into the madness that is Gwyneth Paltrow's brain. Because at one point he mentions, um, oh, you know, that one time we were filming Spider-Man Homecoming and this happened and this happened. And she stops him. And she's like, I've never been in a Spider-Man film. And you see this play out in real time. And he's like, very awkwardly, no, we um, we have, yeah, we were in the end of Spider-Man Homecoming. She's like, no, that was Avengers. And he's like, no, I promise you, that was a Spider-Man movie. And you see Gwyneth Paltrow in real time realize that she's been in a Spider-Man movie. She had no idea until she was what? filming that episode of Chef with Jon Favreau. The woman is mad. That's mental. It's a, it's a really, really funny anecdote. A little bit of trivia around her performance of the film in that she probably just said yes and turned up and filmed her scenes in one day. If they did everything with Tony, with um, Robert Downey Jr. in three days, this was obviously a very, very quick um, scene. So, yes, we will also put it in our little episode description as well. It's a clip on YouTube of watching Gwyneth Paltrow realise in real time she's been in a Spider-Man movie. And I guess, like from her point of view, if in, unless you're really, really looking, like that could have quite easily been something that would be in an Avengers film. Hundred percent. Right? She's standing yeah. there with Iron Man, this happy <laughs> exactly, Hogan, yeah. uh, Spider Man's on scene waiting. as well. She <laughs> had no idea. The Avengers logos in it as well. Mm. Yeah, in that scene, it's at the yeah. campus. Damn, that was good, man. This is again a very tough one. Oh. <sighs> I do think, though, that Rob's got this week's one, and I agree. I and but your, yours was really good. Oh, man. I was worried. It was good, no, George. I agree. I got halfway through, and I was like, I, I think Rob's got it. I mean, it was just the sheer like it was like just one, two, one, two, just <laughs> throwing those. 
plates back and forth at me and yeah i enjoyed it but yours was also great man i'd just like to say earlier george uh-oh didn't you say that i was like in your dust yeah well we're, we're drawing now right yeah we are so Ooh, is it drawing we are drawing yeah again. drawing again caught up i was two behind you were two behind rob have you had a lead yet or is it just kept going one up one up like, i had so a lead and they're back the to draw yeah and so on yeah. All right, wow. not more than one not next time, baby. I'm, I'm leading on the bonuses. Yes. Ooh. Well, mm. right, for now. Well, considering how that started in the group chat, that was incredibly civil. Yes. And I, yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. You don't appreciate it. You stir the pot, you motherfucker. <laughs> no. Yes, you do. You could say it was a civil war. Oh. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Add, okay. Add some, add some laughter. Yeah, we'll yeah, add a laugh the track for that one. Uh, thank you so much Cheers. again for listening, everyone. If you haven't already, please review or rate the podcast wherever you're listening to it. And if you decide to review us after listening to this episode, then at the end of your review, please tell us who's your favourite Spider-Man. So, Colin, it's that time again. Mm. So, in the last three episodes, we have been to the Mirror Dimension. We've been back mm. to space We've gone straight back down to New York, where we could. Oh. Where on earth could we be possibly be heading next? Maybe not even a guess. Where or who do you want to see? I. How many films have we had in this phase at this point? Oh my god! Do you know Civil War, Doctor Strange, Guardians Two, Guardians, Spider Man Four, Four, and there's normally five, right? Uh, no, in more in this phase, phase six, oh, this we're one. not going to say how many. There's phase six, phase three. There's quite a few. So there's probably six. No phase. No, I, I, I had six in my head because phase one has got six movies. Phase two has got six movies. Phase three oh. has a lot more. Okay, so not Avengers yet. Then, um, I mean, it's been a fair while since we've seen like a a Thor film. Yeah, it has been. And uh. Well, we had just had Civil War, even though it didn't feel like a Captain America film. Um, uh, Christ, I'm actually... Compl- I have no idea. Well, I'm going to put you out of your misery. Because, Colin, we are heading straight back to space as we watch, directed by Taika Waititi, Thor Ooh. Ragnarok. I like that, dude. Mm. Okay. Interesting. Colin, say bye. Goodbye. Rob, say bye. Bye. Bye, everyone. Next time we meet, let it be in peace and friendship. This is as far as you're going to get tonight. Such valuable stuff. All in a nice work. Sweet dreams, little friends. We're not done yet, everyone. In a mid-credits scene, an incarcerated Gargan, otherwise known, as Rob said, by comic book fans as the Scorpion, approaches Tombs in prison, saying that he has heard that Tombs knows Spider-Man's real's identity. Real's identity? Mm. Although Tombs denies this. So, again, this probably might add fuel to the fire of, oh, Tombs isn't really a villain, 
But what's your thinking here, Colin? Did he deny knowing this because he wanted to protect Peter? Or does he want his own hands on him? I don't know. I kind of get the feeling that the fact that Peter Parker didn't actually kill him, I feel like that might mean something to uh, uh, Tombs. Mm. I feel like that does mean something. Mm-mm. So that's why I was thinking maybe Liz would pop back in later. But I guess just because she doesn't come in doesn't mean that you can't have um, Tombs pop back. So, yeah, I, I feel like maybe he was... I mean, I think it could be a bit of both. It's like, he's my business to deal mm-hmm. with and I'll deal with him how I want to deal with him when that time comes. Yeah. I'm not going to let someone else just go and, and do the job for no real reason. Mm-hmm. But I do think that... Because, you know, Tombs, as as we said throughout this, he was, in terms of villains, he was a very human villain and he yep. was doing things for his own reasons and they were based around, like, family. and mm-hmm. So I feel like there's there's a heart in there um, and I wonder if, if Peter Parker's decision-making at the time when they had that final fight yep. maybe has, has played true and, and made Tombs a little bit soft. Very interesting, yeah. It's a... It's a uh... I quite enjoy this post credit scene. Is it a next time baby? It's definitely a next time baby. Mm. Any thoughts on this post credit scene? I think Rob? Colin's covered it all. Mm. Pretty much. Like it's very ambiguous and I like that. You don't know where he yeah. stands or hovers. Oh, well done. Uh so when earlier on I mentioned that there's another scene in this film where I had to be there in the cinema to see everyone's reaction. That was our (laughs) next post-credit scene, which I think is my favourite post-credit scene of the entire MCU because these post-credit scenes, right, are disliked by cinema employees all over the world because (laughs) any other film, the second those credits starts, everyone's out of their seat and they're out of there and we can get in there and start cleaning you never know. We might even have the screen clean before the credits even end. But no, with these films, everyone just sits there and waits and waits and waits. And we've got even less time to clean the screen. But it was always genuinely the highlight of my day to watch everyone sit there for a good 10 minutes in the screen and see everyone's reaction to this post credit scene of basically Marvel saying, just take a look at yourselves, all right? Sitting here so long for something that at the end of the day, it's just pointless, isn't it? I think it's brilliant. Colin, how much did this post-credit scene annoy you? Oh, it pissed me off. <laughs> I knew it would. <laughs> I thought he was talking about the film we had just watched to begin oh, with. Dear. I was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if, if that was worth anything. <laughs> um, and, may, and maybe he was saying patience is in, yeah, we know that film doesn't really mean anything, but stuff's coming. That's kind of what... <laughs> no, nah, it annoyed me a little bit. His face popping up throughout the whole film kind of annoyed me like on those little screens. Oh, did it really? Oh, I think it's a fun little touch. Just, I guess, but then it just makes you think, like, in his downtime, he's just doing, like, take after take of these mm-hmm. corporate bullshit things. And it's like, I don't but know. But that's very I, Captain I, I, America, and that's kind I know, of why. and that's why I don't that's like why him. why I like him, though. I know it is. Uh, I know. I'm pretty sure he's a war criminal now. I, I was just about to say that, but I love that, because obviously these were definitely filmed pre-Civil War, so yeah. even, like, the gym yeah. teacher's like, I don't even know if we should be showing these. Yeah, no. He's in his think, Avengers outfit. Yeah. All oh, right. <laughs> I love the one, so you got detention. <laughs> Take it from a guy who's been frozen for 60 years. <laughs> the only real way to be cool is to obey the rules. 
I don't know. It's There's just favorite. something about him that kind of gets on my nerves a bit. Yeah. I mean, the 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 post credit scene didn't. I mean, it didn't. I mean, I say it pissed me off. I'm kind of being a bit lighthearted with it. Um, but it's just like it's good. Guys. It's it's it's, a, it's yeah, completely it's pointless, a, and that's the point of it. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I, I appreciate it to that level, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't. I'm just not that big a fan of Captain America. Like, when you said he was your favorite, I was generally quite surprised because. Yeah. Because for me personally, he's not that high up at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. Isn't it? I love his story. I love I love how much of a kind of goody two shoes he is. There's something about that. Um, I love his uh, the whole backstory with Peggy. I think it, is, it just kind of dictates his whole character from there onwards as well. I think I love how they shoot him combat wise. I love how creative they can be with the shield and things like that. Um, and I love that he stands his ground and kind of like believes what he believes i i I, there's something about that i i I like as a character the blu-ray has a um so basically what they did for that is they got chris evans in front of a green screen and just threw ideas at him and there's so many like there's (laughs) so many on the blu-ray that they didn't use um which we might have to include a a link to that in the uh description as well because it's it's so funny and i i just love his delivery every time he does that sort of like really sort of almost sickly sit down so you got detention <laughs> it makes me laugh it's so corporate so your body's changing it's it's brilliant <laughs> well it. he, he points to um he's like my my best friend over here and he points to the gym teacher and Hannibal Barassi stood on the wrong yeah. side <laughs> excellent okay Colin we'll see you next time in space yeah stay safe stay well stay nerdy bye everyone <laughs>